Blog Talk Radio. Okay, it is 
like it was done. It was uploaded probably maybe about nine days ago. So I don't know. It's a it's the it's a recent. It's supposed to be three parts, and it's their most recent interview. And you get to see those the three members, except for Denise, because you know Vanity passed away. Which, listen, oh my God, y'all! When I was growing up, I was like crazy about. I know I was too young. I should not have been, but I was crazy about Vanity Six. <laughs> And I liked the Avalon when it came in. I liked the Sex Shooter song, but it was I was always crazy about Vanity. So Vanity was like, and my all my friends when I was young can tell you that I had this big thing about Vanity. I even dressed up for Vanity one year in my high school. <laughs> so I had this big thing. I was I, I was just fascinated with Vanity. So um, so yeah. So I'm I, I'm I'm so excited because I have a fascination also for Prince history. I mean, I just can't wait until they just tell. Like, I would love to have in the room, like, the ultimate, like, fun interview time. Apollonia 6. <laughs> Revolution. <laughs> and just say, free all, free for all. <laughs> like, we get to really hear the the real deal of that time, oh, my God, I think it would be so good, right? And so, but on this interview, they're being very careful. I don't know how they're going to do on part two about what they say, but it's so good. It's a lot of history about how Vandy Six got together. And it's so funny because in the interview, they start talking about how when Vanity, they met Vanity and how, you know, like, you know, how Prince, like, like she, she was in the room. She was at the Grammy Awards or whatever. So they didn't know. Like I think Susan said, <clears throat> Vandy had told her that she was there with her publicist or something like that. Cause she, Vandy was one of the awards girls at the uh, for that for the story. That I think Brenda thought that Vandy was with Rick James, but she wasn't with Rick James at the awards. But Prince history goes <laughs> that she was actually Rick, a Rick James girl. Okay, so if you know anything about Rick James or Prince history, you know this this is like some wild shit going on about when Prince got with Vanity. Okay, <laughs> I want to hear the real like real shit, but it was it it was interesting because um, they were kind of having a discussion between the two of them, and so like Susan's telling like her how family was so conservative and all these things. And I'm like, oh my god! So it's like it's so good, and they're all. Listen, I think they're all the ladies in the group for, from the Vandy Six. I haven't They haven't got to the Apollonia Six yet, part yet. But Apollonia is sitting in, you know, on the conversation because it's her studios. And, and listen here, let me just say this. Apollonia, wait a minute, y'all need to call me. You need to do an interview. Apollonia, I could, well, I would have had a ball in that one. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, but she in the inner, she's sitting in while they're going through history of Vanity Six and how they met and how they did their first album about Prince writing, how Prince wrote the music, and how this was so, which I had heard some of this before, but, like, how Prince would not let them know, like, at first, their first name, which I already knew, I think I heard this before, that the name he had for Vanity Six was Hookers. <laughs> That's a wild Prince shit, right? And our, Brenda was talking about how She's like, uh, she came to, I forget, I don't know if she was coming to lay down some tracks somewhere or something like that, and Prince heard her sing, and Prince says, 
Oh, you could be one of the hookers. <laughs> that ain't some Gemini shit, right? And she said she was like, okay, like it was. It's just like hilarious. The interview is really good because it gives you a lot of um, solid information about Prince, some of Prince history, the Vanity Six part, and uh, I love that shit. Okay, I love Prince history because Prince is one of those mysterious. So anytime I hear. Like, print shit. I'm always, like, fascinated because two reasons. I'm, maybe three. Okay, three reasons. Let me think of three reasons I'm fascinated. One, I'm fascinated because, no, maybe four. My mom was a huge Prince fan. No lie. My mom loved, 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 loved Prince. I was young. My mother had every record, everything, everything Prince ever made. My mom was a, a big, huge Prince fan, Okay. So that was probably a little bit where my fascination started. Uh, number two reason is Prince was so mysterious, and I and I like Gemini's. <laughs> so Prince was so mysterious, and he, and I think that was the Scorpio rising in him that was probably the mysterious. But you know what? Not that Gemini's can't be a mysterious sign because Prince being mysterious, who else is mysterious? Maxwell, he's a mysterious character, right? So yeah. So, but, but, yeah, so I like that mystery surrounding Prince. Like, he was mysterious, yet he was out there with a lot of his shit. Like, right, it was a, a lot of stuff was out there, yet it wasn't. And I always, <laughs> I always love the, the, the ideas and the personality of Prince. So I'm just so fascinated about And number four, I don't know what my other four is, my fourth reason. It's because I want to be a Prince girl. <laughs> I should have took that shit seriously. I really should have taken it seriously. I went to go to me. I was. I said I believed that me and Prince would have been classic. <laughs> what a terrible couple! <laughs> but it just would have been legend. I just would have loved it because I just have this thing about Prince. Not that I was all that. Not that I think Prince was that. I thought Prince was that attractive. I thought he was okay, but it was more his personality. So, I, I mean, you know, yeah, that's my fascination with Prince, okay? And, you know, I'm just always fascinated just by the whole musical thing that he did. Also, the thing between him and Rick James <laughs> and the idea about Vanity being in that shit, that's just hilarious to me. So there is... So I love, if you're a person who likes Prince history and likes to hear some, like, you know, the mysterious things, this is a great interview. Even though I haven't got, I'm on, I'm, I haven't got the part two yet, so I'm hoping they're going to get a little bit more. Like, they are not answering the fan questions. Like, true fan questions, they did have, the guy was asking some nice fan questions. I'm like, come on, girls, it's been, like, how many years? It's been almost, like, 30, 40 years since the Prince days. Like, can we answer some questions here, like, Susan, was you going, was you on and off with Prince while he was fucking around with vanity? That's not a Like, I want to hear the grit. Like, you know, I want to hear the grit. They did, and, you know, they gave that illusion. Like, you know, they, they are kind of alluding to that, you know, because there has always been back and forth about vanity and Prince, Okay. They are kind of alluding a little bit in this interview. And my, they're not saying, but they're alluding that that was a solid couple. I mean, I've heard that, too. She's even said that. So um, she said that when she was alive a num- numerous times. And when she became a preacher, she would talk about that a lot, okay? So 
I mean, she had a discussion. She would discuss Prince's, her and Prince's relationship. So not in detail, but she would discuss, like, him being the love of her life and stuff like that, So, which is interesting. Now, I also found it interesting. I think all the women in the group were born in January, and they might be all Capricorns. That's funny. <laughs> so it's like it's, it's, it's so much uh, interesting things they talk. So if you guys get a chance, check it out. I put it on the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page. If you're a Prince fan, I also put it on Twitter. So if you're a Prince fan and you love Prince history or you have Bandy Six fan, Apollonia Six fan, it's really neat to hear from their point of view. Plus, you know, I just feel like the I feel like always with the ladies, they're more quiet about Prince than the men because the men just be straight out telling the stuff straight out truth. But the ladies are always kind of very quiet. And I just would love to see a documentary, like a full-on documentary, then a movie, but just like a documentary, no holds bar about everybody, what they were doing, what they thought of that time, relationships, all behind the scenes, music, everything. <laughs> because I believe that shit is so juicy. <laughs> I would love to hear it, right? And it gives you such an insight to me. I think it would be an insight into uh, Prince because there has been debate among Prince fans for years about, you know, the relationships, all kind of stuff, right? So, yeah, that's funny. So, yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed hearing their uh, some of their uh, stories. It was really good. And I enjoyed most of all, I was so excited to see Susan, she looks so good. I was like, Susan, because, you know, Susan, I hadn't seen Susan in, I mean, I haven't seen Susan in, like, years. She's the one you don't see a lot. You don't see Brenda as much, but Susan, like, never, like, hardly any time. So it was really cool to see that. So, yeah, so really, uh, really interesting interview if you like that kind of stuff, okay? All right, so what's next? Y'all. Did y'all see that Missouri pastor that stops the alleged armed robbers during church service with prayer? Child, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I said that's a that's a that's a that's a that's what this is the last what I call the last days. That's a preacher right there. That's some anointing, right? So he thought somebody, you know, that's what I said. You gotta have some prayer and anointing in these churches nowadays because these devils is getting bold. They coming up in your churches trying to rob you. And this man, they went up there, they went in there to try, call themselves trying to rob the church, but got arrested by the Holy Ghost, as my uh, grandma and them were saying. <laughs> All right, so let's listen to the story from Yahoo. It's, um, uh, let me see, oh, let's play it. It's on Fox News. Okay, so I'm going to play the, uh, the uh, actual video for you guys to hear. So let me see, do we got it up? But, yeah, I was like, wow, you know. Okay, here we go. Let's listen. I think we can listen. Okay, this is from uh, Fox News. I think Laura Ingram show. So let's check. It, take a listen. Men entered the All Creation Family Church in Ferguson, Missouri, during Sunday service. Pastor Marquela Futrell, a former police officer, noticed the men were carrying guns in their waistbands. But he kept preaching and secretly told his director to lock all the doors and call the police. Then the pastor approached the men. Who sent y'all here? I just 
Father Church has decided to come. Captain. Well, let's praise God for them coming. I said praise God that God sent them to get here. Now, the pastor wanted to keep his congregation calm, but at the same time, he wanted the men to know he was on to them. Don't you play with me. I still got a cop anointing, and I still know what's going on, and I still know what's about to happen. God's about to change the plot of the enemy. Lift your voice and shout out to God for what you're about to do. Now, what happened next is stunning. Would you guys permit me to pray for y'all? Can I pray for y'all? Do, do you mind if I pray for you? Do you mind if I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Twin, can I pray for you? They said I can pray for them. Come on, brothers, pray for them. Pray under the unction of the Holy Ghost. Bowing their heads in silence, the gunmen sat as the entire congregation sang and yet prayed. See, that wasn't so bad, brothers. Thank y'all for letting us pray for you. And we're thankful that for whatever reason, the Lord let y'all come here. I just believe that you all will never be the same again. Come on, if you believe they'll never be the same again, clap your hands and give God praise. Listen, I was like, I haven't seen no church like that, like church, 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 real church like that in years. <laughs> right, so, so it says, uh, uh, it says that, uh, uh, and it's, what it says, uh, I think the men, the men drove off in a, in a, a SUV or something, and the cops are still kind of investigating the situation. But listen. Let me tell you, this is the kind of stuff I did in the last day. Child and, and stuff like that, the last day you come up in these churches, y'all better quit putting you devils, I'll well, put y'all on alert, Katie. Some of these people was Holy Ghost filled. <laughs> and it, it's more dangerous to meet a person full of the Holy Spirit than it is to meet somebody uh, with a gun, okay? <laughs> So that's why I say, you know, you be the guy. Like he said, he believed they life a child. Listen, I've been in church like that. I had a spiritual mom that was like that. And she would have did that. that. Like, like you just, it just, just had that anointing on her. Okay, like you, you, it's just a, a spiritual anointing. Okay, so I, I was like, wow, I was stunned by that, but also glad to see that because you know we just had a few years ago. Somebody come up in the church and shoot eight, nine people. Just worshiping because they shot them because they was black. And any time he going to leave somebody alive to tell a story. Like, a, he's a real devil. But devils need to meet real uh, holy. Not saying those people weren't. But I'm just saying need to meet people filled with the spirit. Some of these devils about to be ran out of town. <laughs> so that's why I, I love that, seeing that. And those young men probably don't know what hit them, okay? So, yeah, I'll be now. That's, that's when you get me to some, meet some real church people up in there, okay? And he knew what was up. Probably plus he used to be a cop. He said, I still got that cop annoying on you. <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, and thank God nobody was hurt, okay? But this is the kind of times we living in some rough times, y'all. Hell, too. These people out here is crazy, all right? So it's good when you got that. That shows that pastors, like, Toughness and grit. It's good to have a pastor preacher like that, okay? <laughs> he wasn't playing either. He went right on up to him, <coughs> excuse me, and confronted him. So that was very interesting to see, all right? 
Uh, what else is next? Uh, what do y'all want to see? What do I want to talk about? Oh, okay. We got to talk about Mary Lori Lightfoot loses re-election bid. I am not surprised. Is anybody surprised? I don't even know why Lori, <coughs> excuse me, would even possess Lori Lightfoot to run again. I mean, did she not see the writing on the wall? The the writing, I mean, the 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 message blowing in the wind in Chicago. <laughs> I mean, I've never heard people dislike some a mayor so much. Uh, but it says, this is from uh, Block Club Chicago. It says, Lightfoot's historic loss marks the first time since Jan Burns lost to Harold Washington in 1983 that the city has not elected the sitting mayor who ran for re-election. Voters have bounced a sitting mayor for the first time in nearly four decades. That's 40 years. Election night results show Mayor Lori Lightfoot in the third place God, with about 16% of the vote. Jeez. She conceded in a speech about 8.30 p.m. Oh, my God, only 16%. Oh, Lord, have mercy. That She really, they, y'all really, who did y'all vote for? Let me see this person y'all voted for. Powell Vallis? Okay. Okay, so that's the new mayor of Chicago. I don't know, y'all are probably voting somebody crazy again. But um, let's see this here. Hold on, what was that article? Uh, but, yeah, I think Paul Vallis is, a, is going to be uh, the new mayor. Where is that article? Okay, you guys, hold on. But I, I'm not surprised about her getting voted out. Not that that does not surprise me in the least bit. Um I was surprised that she decided to take, run for reelection. That was interesting. Um trying to think here, it's been forty years since she lost her new uh, bid. I'm trying to find Here, but she lost to Paul Vallis. I can't believe she came in third place. Uh, says former Chicago Public School CEO Paul Vallis will head the runoff, receiving 35 percent of the vote. He's poised to face Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson. Okay, she didn't even win the. Pos- My God! Ooh, y'all really hated her. Uh, Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson, who had received about 20% of the vote in uh, preliminary returns, okay? Uh, By late Tuesday night, Lightfoot trailed Johnson by more than 17,000 votes. Lightfoot's historic loss marks the first time since Jane Burns lost to Harold Washington in 1983. The city has not elected a sitting mayor who ran for re-election. Lightfoot's loss also marks the first time since 1989 that an incumbent mayor has lost an election. The year Eugene Sawyer, who was picked to be mayor by the city council after Washington's death, lost in a special election to Richard M. Daley. Daley went to go, went, went, go, went to go on to win re-election five times before declining to run a seventh term, okay? Y'all know, remember, the Daley used to run Chicago. After emerging from a crowded field of 14 candidates in 2019, Lightfoot stormed to the victory in a runoff, running more than 70% of the vote against county board President Tom Preckwinkle. Um, Lightfoot's 2019 victory represented a rare uh, 
coalescing of voters who, um, in a city known for political tribalism, has she was able to capture majorities in all 50 wards and route to becoming the city's first black female and first gay mayor. Okay, I, you know, I, wow, this is even bigger. She lost the preliminary. She didn't even win the chance to run again. I mean, you know, I just don't understand how she couldn't see, how she couldn't see that. I guess she's one of those people that say, you know, I'm going to at least try, even though I know this shit is is against me. (laughs) But it was no way that she was going to uh, win. I just didn't know it was that bad. Wow, that's really bad. Okay, so uh, very interesting, okay. Um, In other news. Okay, so this week, Zaya Wade was granted a name and gender change on birth certificate, okay? Uh, this is according to uh, TMZ. It says, according to a new legal docs, uh, we obtained an L.A. County judge just signed off on a new legal identity for Dwayne, transgender 15-year-old Zion Malachi Aramis Wade is now legally Zaya Malachi Aramis Way, and the judge also ruled in favor of her official gender change from male to female. Zaya's uh, mother, Dewey Way's first wife, Savon Futures Way, objected to the change, okay? Um, listen, okay, um, and she, you know, you know, Savon has been saying that they, she, th- he, th- she thinks that he may be pressuring their child to move forward with the name and gender change in order to capitalize on the financial opportunities that he has received from companies. That's according to uh, com and via Radar Online. It's saying now in a new filing way to address the accusation uh, once again in court. So so him and Savon have been fighting over this, okay? And I'm going to get to later on that the NAACP gave them Gabrielle Union and the Wade Wade Award this week kind of concerned in this area. But let me just say this and speak on this for a moment. Gender change is such a life-altering event, life-changing event that should be examined in adulthood. Should not now. Has you? I mean, it should be explored and being able to you you do that in adulthood. Now, if you have a child who's thinking they're transgender. I would suggest, my personal opinion is that children, if they think they're transgender, then you should send them, not to counseling that's going to abuse them or anything like that, I'm not talking about that, but counseling so they can explore all the options available to them. So by the time they turn 18, they'll be able to make a choice, okay? However, I don't like this shit of a child. They've been promoting this child since that child was 12 years old. When I was 12 fucking years old, I was just literally, literally, I mean, a couple years from playing with Barbie dolls, okay? So, listen, I just don't understand how you let a child, you put, you exploit, my personal opinion is is exploitation is a, a little bit. I can see you saying your child's exploring gender change or something like that, but that's it. Leave the child to the privacy of their lives to explore that. But Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union, in my, just is my personal opinion, no hate, no shade, but they're pushing this kid out forward all the time. And I know they feel like, hey, we're parents, we can't leave our kid at home and all this stuff. 
I get it. But there's no, and I'm not saying to do that. I'm saying, but there's no way you should be going accepting awards, pushing the agenda out there for yourself. Just pushing, because you know in Hollywood, you know in Hollywood, and most people know in Hollywood that there is a, a, a really high acceptance for celebrities who are uh, LGBTQ and all those kinds of things, that there is a little bit of uh, uh, high acceptance. And I will tell you this, LGBTQ community, that can they a lot of PD celebrities can be using it to exploit you too because they want to be in the know. Some might not like the shit at all. They just want to be in getting roles and stuff like that. They realize a lot of lesbian, gays, and homosexuals run certain parts of the industry, and so they want to be in the know and look like they about that life. But be you know don't really be about it. I'm not saying this with Gabriel, Gabriel Union and Dwayne Wade. I'm just saying I don't like the exploitation of a child. And the weird thing is, I've yet to see a white child out here. At 12 and 13, where they exploit. And see, black people, a lot of black people talk among themselves about this. Like, dang, they don't hardly have no, like, they always have flamboyant homosexuality with black males. There's black stereotypes usually online. Let me explain to black people my theory about why you see this constantly, okay? Years ago, before gay marriage was legalized, California was one of the first testing states, if you remember. Black America, years ago, people blamed black America and black American churches for coming through and voting down the one of the first votes that would have okayed a, a gay marriage in California. At that moment in time, I believe there set out to be a, an agenda to uh, groom the black community into accepting homosexuality. Suddenly you saw movies, all this stuff, because a certain segment of the, of black America, like the church, religious America, did not accept it. So you saw a, a complete move to change that, and it has not stopped. Uh, and I'm not saying this to try to diss anybody, but agendas happen for everybody. There's always there's agendas in being black America. There's agendas in being gay. I'm just saying that. This is, to my personal opinion, where this movement came from. But using a 12-year-old, a 15-year-old, it's crazy. Because by the time you hit 18 and 19, your mind, I mean, you, I, I want to have a, give a child a chance to change their mind. And if they got the public scrutiny and public pressure on them, everybody looking at them, everybody accepting them for being you know, just transgender and this and that. But if in the back of their mind they're saying, they saying oh, I may not want to do this no more, and you might be saying, well, I tell them, I tell my son, if you don't, if you, my daughter, if you feel like you want to change back, let me know if you don't want this. They're not going to let you know because you don't put all kind of pressure on them and all kind of things on them to be this person. And you're not letting them work out their identity themselves in the formulating years. Even if they know what they are, let them formulate that and sit and think with that for a while. But to expose them in public and publications and all these things and not give them the privacy and the opportunity to explore what it means to be transgender and all those things during their formative years is just crazy to me. I see it what I see. Okay. I just don't like that idea. I think that this is a time 
when Zendaya, I mean, what's her name? Zaya, Zeta, Zaya, Zaya, sorry, Zaya should be privately making sure that is a decision you want to make because when it comes to opera, when you start to change over to do your sex change if you decide to do, that's a permanent decision in life. And for you to exploit a child in their formative years and give them the pressure of fame, Hollywood, all these things, knowing you're going to get some benefit from it is ridiculous. When you should say, hey, yeah, my son is exploring ideas with transgenderism and all this thing, we're letting him do that, or my daughter, in private. But every time these people get a chance to find a camera, they get out there. I just think it's crazy. Now, remember, Gabrielle Union Scorpio. <laughs> I'm a Scorpio, too, so I know she's October Scorpio, okay? Transformation comes in some sort of way. <laughs> and so, you know, and to, and, and it's almost like there's a dis, dismissiveness of the mother, the mother, the woman who is the birth, child, the person that birthed this child. And that's crazy to me. So, yeah, I mean, really an interesting uh, uh, situation. <clears throat> so uh, I think we'll hear more about this uh, in time because a lot of people uh, have been talking about it. Okay, Janet Jackson's nephew, TJ, says her over-sexualized shows. They're degrading. TJ also doubled down on his opinion when Twitter users criticized him, but he said he has a lot of respect for his aunt regardless of the way she performs, okay? Janet Jackson's nephew, Tito uh, Joe, J.J. Jackson, missed no words when talking about his aunt's over-sexualized performances on Twitter Monday night. The 44-year-old member of 3T, which he formed with his older brothers, Teriana, Arda, uh, Todd Jackson, Terrell Adrian Jackson revealed his opinion on the 56-year-old Janet's performance after watching a video of her singing Would You in concert. The video, which has since been restricted, showed together again hitmakers seductively dancing and even pretending to perform oral sex on a fan, according to page six, okay? And he said, I never liked when she did this in concerts either. I don't like when females are overly sexualized in art. Well, you must hate today. It's degrading it's degrade and, and, and objectivity objectifies women in a way that's not healthy. I prefer that that's the way love goes, Janet. I never like when, okay, so, um, you know, listen, TJ then took the con, uh, to the comment section of his tweet to further explain his stance after he received some pushback from his followers. For instance, in reply to one user suggesting TJ perhaps has diminished views because Janet is his literal aunt, he responded, he said, nah, I didn't like it. Just diminishes her amazing talent. But would love to hear your disagreement. Okay. Um, and people started reminding him about uh, his uncle and Janet's brother was humping the floor in his performance uh, and that Prince wasn't a saint on stage either. However, TJ had a response when the user asked him the, what the difference between Janet and Prince and Michael was. He said, my aunt got a lot dirtier than my uncle. He stated, I've traveled and seen how black women are treated better outside the States. They are truly and rightfully celebrating more. Okay, TJ, listen. Okay, stop. Okay, when we start talking about listen, uh, let me just say this, okay? And it's always somebody saying this. I mean, t- where, TJ, where are you seeing black women treated, celebrated more outside the states? Okay? I mean, and I bet I'm going to be able to pick out 
to, uh, uh, to people from other countries and places where black women have been objectified all over the world, okay? Um, here's what I'll say about Janet. When Janet came along in the, in the time she did, it was a surprise to be risk that risque, okay? Uh, you know, today, no, these motherfuckers are all risque, all over the place, all day, every day. Okay? Her and Madonna were quite surprisingly, uh, surprising. I can understand if you didn't like this, but that's your business. Like, that's your auntie. Like, yeah, oh, it's my aunt. You could have said it a different way. To me, I feel a little bit of hateration, like like a little hater. Like, you yeah, said, that's my aunt. You know, I don't like to see her doing that. You know, I like to see women, blah, 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 but it is my aunt. She's so great, blah, 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 whatever. I mean, and people, you know, know the history, kind of, you know, there's been some mess in the Jackson family over the years and stuff like that. But my thing is, I get what he's saying, but you should be support. That's the biggest artist in your family besides Michael. Um, and you got the right to believe what you want to believe. And sometimes, Dan, it could be very risque in those times. Actually, you know, she's a Taurus with a Scorpio rising. <laughs> she's going to be sensual all day long. What is her moon? I forget what her moon sign is. But, yeah, she, you know, um, here's what I also think, too, about Janet, and I believe this about the Jackson family, including Michael, because Michael was very sexual and acted very sexual, repressed on stage, too. Okay, <clears throat> I don't know what happened. I believe there were some things that they saw as young people that kind of damaged how they viewed sexuality. And so with Michael, you have this uh, this somewhat overt sexuality overt sexuality, and then you have a pulling back of, like, an asexual being, too, like, never kind of relaxing his sexuality. With Janet, <clears throat> you have the innocent Janet years, Dream Street and all that stuff, and then you have the control Janet, this Janet that swings for the pendulum, trying to, which I which I saw, what I'd like to hear Janet Jackson's thoughts on this, but I've seen Janet trying to balance and um, kind of figure out her sexuality in a world where she had been restricted but seen a lot of things because, remember, they were raised Jehovah Witnesses. So there was probably a lot of restriction there, a lot of not understanding of, you know, trying to balance sexuality. And I think Janet did that discovery through a lot of her music, her seduction on stage, stuff like that. Now, I don't, you know, I don't know Janet personally. I love me some Janet Jackson. I don't know if she a pervert personally or whatever. But, yeah, some of that could come out on stage has very overt sexuality. But I, can I just say that's one of the things I know I loved about Janet. I love the way Janet <clears throat> Explore sexuality. Like one of the sexiest songs to me I ever ever done was when I when I hear it I'm just like Yes Anytime, any place Listen. Okay. Janet through that. And what's the other sexy one she has? Oh, and it's like an innocent song, but Janet just has this sexual sexual Sexy alluringness to it, and Jimmy Jim and Terry Lewis found it, like found it, and <clears throat> and brought it all out of her. Like 
this can't be good. Have you ever heard that song? Oh, that's my favorite, one of my favorite Janet songs. Is this can't be good? Ooh, all right, uh, uh. Uh, a slow love Ooh like a fun It's so fun But it's sexy It's like Cause when you listen to slow love It, it almost has this Like this It functions It's a song that functions Kind of childlike I mean it has like a child, Like a Like a Like a childlike rhythm Like a, a weird And I Like a weird And I don't want to put children in it But like Like it has like a fun vibe But it's talking about Sex <laughs> I love the way she approaches sexuality in her music. I actually, I, Janet on stage doing that, I've seen her so many times do that that I'm just sort of like that. <laughs> the first time I saw her, I was like, what? <laughs> but I love the idea of her, especially when she does the, uh, when she used to do the uh, uh, Burt Burn dance on stage. God, that's my shit, okay? Like, she'd be like, like you know, tie me, tie me up, tie me up. shocking to do today it's overdone like it's too gimmicky when i think in janet jackson's day it was an exploration of sexuality as a woman like nobody was doing it besides madonna and madonna just was kind of like madonna is a fun sexual you know energy but madonna was a lot out there it was just different with madonna to me but janet had this like, sense of innocence and sexy. Like, she could do, let's wait a while, and then funny how time flies, and then she could go to, uh, you know, uh, anytime, any place. <laughs> I love it. It's like, that, 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 Jimmy Jim and Terry Lewis and her creative something. I just, I feel like a great, Vibe it, it, and like the Velvet Rope era, oh, which is one of my favorite. <laughs> oh, I love the Velvet Rope era. That is still one of my favorite songs. <clears throat> I still listen to that like a lot. Like Rope Burn. Oh my God, I love that song. Okay, y'all are like you are a Scorpio. Yes, I am. I really. It's just so sexy that song. It's like everything is talking about. You can feel the energy of sex in it. <laughs> can't really say I, I, I understand what he's saying <clears throat> but I do feel like it was different for Janet versus the girls today I feel like Janet was trying to find herself as a music artist exploring sexuality exploring what that means to her coming out of a family that was very restrictive probably on her sexually and then when you hear them talk about you know as kids some of the things they were exposed to and stuff that may have been very confusing coming out of a very religious family and you're in the entertainment business and you're having to, like you, like she was talking about one time they went to a show and they first saw naked women on stage and all these things and they would go and sneak into peep shows in Vegas and stuff when they were doing um, uh, shows in Vegas. I mean, listen, that is pretty, how that affects a child and trying to grow up in a, in a, in a, in a, in a home that restricts sexuality can, in the exploration of that, can make it very, uh, I mean, that exploration of it kind of sometimes be kind of 
especially if you're an entertainer, I don't know. Like, it could be out there. And so I really, does Janet, uh, do do I think Janet is showing some of her dysfunction? Yes. That's why I kind of actually like it. I feel like that's Janet, that, like, this is whatever she was exploring. I feel like that probably was some real shit she was dealing with, you know? I feel like all her her albums, not unlike Madonna, I feel like sometimes Madonna was Madonna was gimmicky as fuck. Like she was just trying to be sexy and sing like a virgin and shit, just to get you know people up on sexuality and just be doing stuff. But Janet, when Janet does it, not to compare them, but when Janet does it, I felt this was a true and personal exploration into sexuality and who am I? How far do I go? How do I see this world? I feel like Janet was examining her shit with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, and they were the therapists writing down the shit. Like, this is what she going through. This is what, okay, we're going to put this shit out. <laughs> right? I don't know. I would love to hear. Now, that's where I would love to hear Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis talk. Like, because there's the stuff they did with Janet was so deeply different than other artists, like, you know, versus when you looked about people like Sherelle and um, Alexander O'Neill and uh, SOS Band and all the many great people they produce, you know, Boyce and me, so many great artists, even uh, Jimmy, J- I mean, Cher- Terry Lewis's former wife, Karen, like, what I'd like to know from them is because Janet is a deeply, like, a Prince vibe. Like, you know, I felt they were in their Prince back. Like, you always hear elements of Prince in Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, you know, and Prince elements of them, too, you know what I'm saying? Because they all been around each other since high school or whatever and being musicians. But I would like to know what, when they were in the studio, like, dealing with such highly sexual material, because that was different from them, for them. You know, what in their mind did they see this as? Like, what did they see that journey as? I don't see Janet's journey as being gimmicky. I see Janet's, like, we're seeing a personal diary of Janet Jackson. And not that she's doing these, exploring these sexual, sex acts. I don't know. But I'm just saying, I feel like there's an exploration of who am I sexually as a woman, as a sexual being, like, I didn't feel that with Madonna. I feel like Madonna always was on some gimmick shit and then would try to say, I'm exploring my sexuality, I'm on some blah, blah, blah. But Madonna was more gimmicky to me. But with Janet, I felt like it was a personal exploration. It felt more personal. So, and it felt <clears throat> more genuine to me. Like, even when you see Janet on her videos, it's always just sensual, like, you know. That's why I'm in love with Janet. There's always just, like, like a sense of, it's, 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 it's not even – okay, if I ever would say where I feel like kind of gay is Janet because with Janet there is no – it feels like the sensuality, the ex, it, it doesn't have any gender to it. <laughs> I just think she's sexy. I mean, I think it's it, – there, it, there, it, I see – I can connect with that. I get it. I'm not gay, but I'm just saying I connect with it. I am kind of when it comes to Janet Jackson, Okay. So, yeah, I don't like what TJ said because I feel like I get it as a man, what you're saying. I get it. But I also, and seeing your aunt like that, 
but I also believe we're seeing Janet work out her personal dysfunction, her personal her personal ideas of sexuality, how that happens, how that moves. It's kind of gimmicky, but I actually believe she's working out some shit. <laughs> what is this? Whatever. Okay, so and I think Michael worked out shit too on stage. Okay, that's why you see him doing some odd kind of shit. But I think because there is some things about restriction, religion, sexuality in their family, there's a lot of overtone overtones in that from the whole family. Okay, so just just that's my personal opinion on that. Okay, uh, so. I'm going to go to break, and when I come back, I'm going to talk about the NAACP. What we say we got to talk about it on the show? We're going to talk about the NAACP Awards, child. I'm going to Jaguar. Lord have mercy. First, I'm going to go to Jaguar, child, because child Jaguar is out here. She done got arrested again, released from jail. Y'all going to have to say a prayer for Jack. You know, it's very Kanye West-like, okay? So I'm going to talk about her for a minute and talk about how it does it, you know, people say, does that make you not believe her? No. I, st- I think there's mental illness. But I've always said that. There's some mental illness problem or mental situations going on. But I, I, I am picky about the stories I believe from Jay. I believe there's a sense of truth. Like Kanye, when Kanye goes on a rant, you can pick out pieces of truth. <laughs> and I don't know if going crazy is a part of to make people say, you know, I can say these truthful things and appear to be crazy and not, you know. Get With Jaguar, I really feel like there's some mental illness, but it doesn't mean that I don't believe some of the tales she's told. Not all of them, but some of it. It's like, like I said, when you hear Kanye rant and craziness, you can pick out pieces. You're like, oh, maybe he's telling the truth right here. Maybe it's like, you know. So, and, you know, it, people could be just, you know, could be mania. I don't know what she's been diagnosed with. I think some people say this uh, dissociated personality disorder. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's very interesting. So we're going to talk about that and Larissa Pippen out here in these streets, all that stuff, okay? When I get back on the CC show, Meanwhile, let's start off with some music. Oh, I love this one. Um, let's start off with, uh, oh, I thought I was going to start off with that one. That's wrong. Okay. Let's start off with Shantae Moore. Sail on. It's the CC show. I'll be back in a moment, okay? Nothing too good 
I'm talking about one of my favorite Janet songs, Spending Time With You. You see the sexy, it's like, oh, it's like a subtle sexy. It's like, oh. Yes, I love it. From Demita Joe, okay? That's one of my favorite. You know what? Demita Joe is probably my favorite Janet album. Seriously. I think Demita Joe and probably, oh, man. Tamita Joe and the album with the Brett where Renee is held in the breast up in front. I forget the name of it. 
But yet the Janet album. Holly, I love all Janet albums, okay? Every last one of them, even the errors, y'all wasn't paying attention to it. Like, you know, like I love songs like I want to rock with you. I love sexy songs. I love, I love the sexy Janet, right? And I got to play Can't Be Good on here because Can't Be Good is my jam, okay? It's like, ooh. And, you know, Can't Be Good is one of those songs about, you know, when you, when you, when you, you, like you've been with a person and you wake up and you're going, oh, no. Oh no! Are you find are you are you find yourself falling for somebody and you're like, this shit can't be good. It's not good. <laughs> and I feel like Janet has Janet's music has a way of capturing like, uh, and this is before Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. No, can't be good is I mean good Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, but before Janet, I feel like Janet before Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis era that one of Janet's gifts as a singer is that she has such a way of capturing emotion. Like uh, one of my Jan- pre-Jimmy Jim and Terry Lewis era songs of Janet is If It Takes All Night. Oof. I love that damn song. <laughs> it's sexy too. So you hear Janet always had that thing, right? So it, I feel like Jimmy Jim and Terry Lewis just burst it all out, just burst everything out. And so and that with that becomes a new like, um, I feel like they birthed a temptress, <laughs> like a singing temptress. I don't know if it's a temptress. I'm drinking and talking to y'all. I feel like Janet's, like, struggling between, like, she's the, temp, the temptress and the town girl. And the, there's so many air, uh, things in that. So, yeah, I, that's why I love her music. It's just, it, it has so much, I can feel the emotion through it, Okay. So, you guys, I am back, and we are talking hot topics, night, late night hot topics. Okay, Jaguar. Oh. Every week is. <laughs> oh. Jaguar, right. Singer in the 90s, who I thought actually had a moment to be beat. You know what I'm saying? But... Life would have it other ways, and now Jaguar is um, being caught up in a lot of controversy. She came out a few years ago singing a lot of things about a lot of entertainers. Some things I think is true, some things I don't know. Um, But really, you can see that Jaguar has a lot of things going on. And this week, you know, first we had Jaguar fighting with Goomba, her husband, at the outside the barbershop and the ashes put on the face and sore lord <laughs> see it around. Then we had Jaguar the next week going off on TS, uh, TSA. This is T, uh, the uh, the TSA TSA the airport people child. Then we had her and Goomba's car getting allegedly burnt up. I, some people were saying, you know, she blamed Rock Nation. This is YouTube loves Jaguar, okay? The YouTube show. Um, then this week we have Jaguar and Goomba. I don't know. Goomba has left Jaguar again. They've gotten to a fight. So, like, a week before, Jaguar has been running around here for the last couple of weeks. Legina Gold. Legina? Is that what I'm talking about? Legina Gold, which is this young lady who obviously is something wrong with, okay? You know what I'm saying? But she thinks she's R. Kelly and Aaliyah's child. 
If y'all haven't seen me, just go up and go look up R. Kelly in the news cab, okay? Apparently, from allegedly or from what I'm hearing, not sure, but people are saying that Jaguar brought her down. They were going to do interviews with her on Dallas Desperate TV because you know Jaguar has Dallas Desperate TV. Um, and she liked Jaguar and then starts staying with them. And it's every time Jaguar brings somebody in a mix, you know, Goomba, don't be, it don't last too long. It don't last too well. So apparently, you know, yesterday I woke up to Jaguar apparently had uh, said she wrote, I mean, was on Tokyo Tony's live talking about her husband, had allegedly pistol whooped her, stirred without food for her family and, uh, and Legina. <laughs> and took all her money allegedly. And then next thing we know, a Jaguar was at a Jamaican restaurant on the stroke. <laughs> Well, trying to be, I don't know if he was trying to prostitute, but the dude wasn't having it. He just gave us some free food. I, listen, just listen. It, the crumbling that we are seeing is in terrible proportions. And here's the thing. I'm, yeah, let me, I'll finish up the story, but I just hate to see it. And so then uh, today she was on the YouTube channel talking about Goomba family. I don't know why Goomba would go back to you, Jack, and you're insulting his family. I mean, and if she still has Regina with her, Regina, evidently rumors are that it's Regina or Kelly and Aaliyah's alleged daughter, uh, child. Don't know if they believe that, but <laughs> I'm going to say it. But yeah, uh, Aaliyah's daughter uh, bailed her out, okay? And child, it's just a hot mess going on over there at Jaguar, right? But this is all I really want to use this to say why this is all happening. Not only you just... Not only is this a mental illness problem with Jag, Jag is having some problem with her, probably her mental illness. They said uh, rumors are that people were saying Goomba was saying allegedly she hadn't been taking her medicine and stuff like that, but now Goomba's won the divorce. I will say this. I feel like Jag should get rid of everybody when she came back the last time, including Goomba, because, you know, sometimes people have to grow. And um, Goomba's learned a hard lesson because he went back into the mess too, but the thing is, I don't know. I'm Goomba might be riding her around by tomorrow. But uh, here's what I'll say. I mean, Goomba, first of all, I hope he didn't leave her with her family because she has her mother with her and Regina and, um, and her son. And my thing is, you know, be a man. Take Make sure everybody's taken care of before you do your ex. Man, I make sure she's taking it, but make sure my, you know, this is just right to me. But and she could, but I don't know what Jack is telling the truth about or not because he's talking about she's out there a stroll. He left her with five dollars. I don't know. She's been all over YouTube. Okay, she always got the video. With <laughs> she always going viral with her shit. Um, but what I want to sum this up to, and this is this is just for everyone out there about your talent and your gift, and I 
not only having great talents and gifts, but also working on your spiritual man, your character. Everything is important because you can have the greatest of talents, but if you ain't got the character to keep you in place, and I know it's a lot of people, I've been talking about this before on the show, if you missed the episode, you missed it, but I talked about how there's a lot of people in the entertainment business that ain't got no characters, crazy and everything, and they just happen to be there. But eventually, when you don't have character in the show through, here's what I, um, and I'm not saying she doesn't have character, you know, I'm, I'm saying that Jag is out of her calling, her gift, she has a beautiful voice. And, you know, uh, this happens when you don't know where, even if you have a mental illness, there are a lot of people in the music industry, in the music business, in various uh, industries across this country who suffer and struggle with mental illnesses every day, but it does not keep them from working their gifts or working what they have to do. You know what I'm saying? So it becomes, when you have a gift and you know the most important thing is to use that gift to bless the world and everything, you will take your medication because you know, all right, now I'm not just saying, I'm not promoting medicine. I don't want to just be promoting that because I know some medicine sucks up, but I'm just saying whatever it takes that you and the doctor have discussed or you and uh, a person have discussed who's over your medical health to make so that you can be able to meet the challenges that will help you to be the recording star that you need to be or to be the singer that you need to be or the actor you need to be, you will, uh, you know, implement that in it and work it until you get it right so that you can do your goal. But when you're, when you're, when you don't know where you're going and when you don't have a sense of purpose, And you letting your gift just be all over the place. And your gift is not the most important thing. This is where you this is where this kind of stuff starts happening. You know, and um I don't dismiss that something happened to Jaguar in that industry that made her hurt a lot. That uh broke her heart probably what she what she's seeing. And it's funny to me, you know, listen, I'm i I'm it's funny to me how people, I know it's silly, but it's people in the industry that have known her. And maybe she was a lot of trouble and stuff like that, but that's not saying, damn, y'all, you know, damn, just pray for Jag or something like that. I ain't heard none of them say that. None of them asked her. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they have. I don't know. But because some of them, I think she, she, you know, that she done said some bad things about and everything. But that would mean, if you know you ain't, you ain't, you know you ain't that way, you wouldn't come out with a, a ugly reply. So many people come out with an ugly reply, I tell you. <laughs> but you, if you know she has a mental illness, I'm not saying everybody, but, you know, it just feels like uh, people should pray. Because I hate to see people um, just, man, just mess up their talent. But one thing you can, you can learn, one thing, I remember uh, one of the things I did years ago, I remember uh, I was reading this book, and one of the things the book said, one of the book things the book tells you to do that I was reading is to walk through the graveyard and to see how many things people you, you see there and how many stories 
or short, long, or whatever. And the, in the book, if I can remember, the person says, in the end of saying said, there are so many stories that were, were supposed to be told lying in the great joint that never got a chance to be told. And I remember, I think I shared this on the show before, walking through the graveyard and seeing two brothers there next to each other that I used to know growing up, living next to each other, uh, living down the street from me. They lived down the street from me, too. I remember when they got killed, got them at one time. You know what I'm saying? Um, I was like, damn. Then, you know, I think like, when I was young, like, you know, uh, I had, I didn't share, I don't know if I've ever shared this story on here, but when I was a young girl, you know, we were losing, it wasn't nothing for, you know, to lose people that were close to you. I remember uh, I had a big graduation party, and um, the week of my, my grandmother still talks about me having my, my graduation party. I, I made money for, like, a whole summer. You know, I've always been a person about, I be trying to make them cool. When I was working, stuff like that. But when I was, uh, I met, I mean, I, I, I literally made all the undergrads pay for my graduation party. It's crazy. It's a long story. But, but at my graduation party, I remember this friend. He was so funny, and I mean, just a jokester, hilarious. People loved him, and I remember like that summer, him being at the party and us laughing, and like he got killed that summer. And I remember so many people was just getting killed, but I remember the most, I don't know, I think I probably have told this story on the show. I'm not sure. But, you know, being a young girl and learning the value of life, because I had a guy that I had been close to since I was, like, first grade. Like, you know, he was, like, close. I mean, you know, all the hood dudes in the neighborhood used to come, but they grew up with me. So a lot of them used to come and hang out in my house. I was like a big sister. You know what I'm saying? It's so funny because one of my friends who's right now, one of the people I know right now, he showed up. He was on this show uh, about his case, Michael Silas. We talked to about. I talked to him about his case. And he he told me it was we when I talked to him one time on the phone. He said to me how they saw me as a young girl. And I knew it, but it was interesting to hear somebody else say it. And it was just saying how I was always encouraging them and stuff like, you know, to do right. And so I was like, wow, that's great. I mean, I, I was really happy about it. I've always been a preacher, teacher. <laughs> so I've always been that since I was young. But I remember uh, having this friend. I was really close to him. I had been friends with him, like my, one of my best, best friends in the whole world. And he was, he was, he was, he was a tough guy. And they, people were scared of him. He was tough. He was this and that. But I, I didn't, I wasn't scared. I didn't give a shit. I've been knowing him since so he was like, you know, maybe first grade. And I remember I had a boyfriend at the time, and uh, I, I was dating the guy, and they had the same name. And he came over one day. It was in the summertime. He came over to see me. And he was like, and I remember introducing them, and, and they were laughing and everything. I was like, this is my big brother, whatever. And so that day I always talked about it because I, I remember being outside and watching him leave the block. I was like, oh, my God. You know, I was like, I, I, I was like, take on the wild watch him leave the block. And it was weird because I remember he didn't want to use the phone on the inside. It was really weird. It was a weird day. Maybe two or three hours later, 
they was banging at my door. I was like, what the hell? And they were telling me he had been shot. And so I'm thinking, oh, shit, because he had been shot before. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm on my way. I'm going around there. I'll see what's going on. So I was getting on my clothes and stuff to go around it. And when I got around there, people on the block were like, Keisha, I'm sorry. I was like, what? What do you mean, sorry? I remember just thinking to myself, no. Like, just, just he was only, like, I think he was only at the time 17 or 18. And I was like, I was broken hearted because the most part of the, the sad part of the whole thing, and it was just like kind of like walking through those graveyards as I got when I became an older woman in my like late 20s and walking through the graveyard and seeing those untold stories. He had an untold story. He was funny. He was smart. He was brilliant. And life was just Gone. All that talent, all those gifts, all that, everything just like that. Laying up, propped up in a casket. I remember just thinking to myself, how hideous, how sad. Why I tell these stories is because it's sad to see Jaguar right now. I mean, you know, I, I, it's, because there's all those gifts and those talents, and you're breathing and you're alive, and I don't care what's going on mentally in your head and what the fuck is going on in the industry. Fuck them people in the industry. Fuck the people who in your life who want to mess you over. How about healing and getting your shit right so that you can use your gift before you snuff, your time is snuffed out? Like in some form or fashion. You know what I'm saying? At least be trying towards it. And I still see her seeing on different stuff here and there. But all the shit she getting caught up in now, I'm like, this is crazy. And it just reminded me of that. Like the walking through the grave, seeing how short your time really, or how long your time really is on earth. And even for myself today, certain things, you know, trying to figure out life and stuff, even as an older person, trying to figure out the next level or the next place to go trying to figure out a way to use what God is putting you to, uh, I mean, use it, use your gifts while you got the time. And it's just so sad to see Jaguar right now because it's just like, damn. Not only have you, you, you made your stories unbelievable that you told, <laughs> but now you are almost on the stroke, because for one simple thing, on the show, and I don't know what's completely going on, because sometimes people don't have access to medication. And see, this is what I just say to y'all people in the industry, you know, and stuff like that. Maybe she don't want y'all help. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. But somebody, it seems like she come out and she's like, damn, let me see if I can raise some money if she, if she wants to get some mental health stuff going. I mean, she needs some help. She needs some mental help. Just, I mean, damn. It's just sad because it's just, I hate to see gifts go before in your life. So I guess I tell those stories to say you're here in this lifetime in this space. And you're here to do something. And whatever that is, you should work, work it out so that you can get to live, live your dream. And I know we all struggle with shit. You know what I'm saying? We all struggle with different things. But, man, this is so sad to see her just going from worse to worse to worse to worse to worse. And you get the feeling that this shit's going to go bad in a second. 
you know. And the worst thing is to see untapped talent, untapped gifting, untapped potential, untapped things laying in a casket or laying in a graveyard. It has an untold story. Mental illness is not an excuse to not do your best that you can. There's sometimes where it's an excuse. Hold on, let me just say this. You know what kind of mental illness you got. But for the most part, there are there are so many people who have mental illnesses who go to doctors, and I understand there's some shit out here. I'm not talking about some people who get depressed, sometimes people clinically depressed. I understand the pain. But for the most part, there are a lot of people who work and work hard to get their medications right. They don't give up because they realize, you know, I got a life to live. I got something to do. The desire to live and the desire to be uh, be uh, God's vessel in the earth is more to them than giving in to the mental health issue especially if if you can get people to help you with it. And I understand it's not an easy journey. Damn, it's worth it to fight for your life and to fight for some sort of structure. It's just so sad to see it right now. I really, at this point, I'm just like, damn, you know. Now, today, I will say this. I watch this show on, I watch a lot of the shows (laughs) on YouTube. But my favorite, though, made me laugh about the situation was watching, I was watching Perry, Perry said, I think it was Perry Sanders, and him and his wife have a show, Surreal World. <laughs> and so Jack always comes on, <laughs> comes on sometimes her live, she used to wear these shade glasses, and today Perry came on with him. <laughs> I had to laugh. I said, he don't make me laugh. <laughs> I mean, but if it, it I mean, people are talking about the topic all throughout YouTube, but it's just so sad. It's like, damn, don't let your gifting go to waste. And you know what? She knows that she's supposed to be doing something out here because every time you see her, sometimes, uh, like, she's had a couple of, like, spots where she's performed out here in Dallas and stuff like that, and she's tried to perform and everything. And listen, I mean, so the music is still in it. My thing is now get your you got your mind. listen. I ain't I ain't want to tell nobody get no. I have told people and sometimes you you know leave folks alone. But I hope she takes time to focus on her, her child and her mama. Send Regina or Kelly and Aaliyah's alleged daughter back to where she came. <laughs> Y'all need to cut that shit out. That girl is. I gotta cut feeding people's delusions. Now she really needs some help. She's out here now. A few years, I saw old videos of her talking about she was half African. Now today, she's a leader. And like a child, y'all need to see. Don't feed nobody's delusions. And when you got a bunch of delusion going on around you, it just makes your delusions worse. <laughs> Have you ever thought, like you know, are you ever talking to people that's delusional? Like I, I entertain. I'm. My friend be like, you so, one of my friends be like, you so stupid. You be entertaining shit. I be like, yeah, because some of the shit, you know, you be learning from people. It's some shit I be knowing, like, I'll meet somebody and I know they fucking delusional. I'll be like, this is some fucking delusional shit. But I will entertain it. 
Because you know what? You always learn something sometimes. In. Like, <laughs> sometimes I won't entertain it for long now because I want you to make my ass crazy, okay? But I will sit and listen to you for a minute. Like, you know, I remember one time listening to somebody, and I was like, I was listening to them about this particular situation. I was like, shit. you know, at first I was about to dismiss them. But then I was like, nah, they may have some shit that I can really under that I really need to understand. You help me understand some shit because <laughs> it is about somebody I do. I'm a Scorpio too, because I'm an investigator. You know, we Scorpios, we have we detect the other thing about our zodiac is that we're detectives. Okay, so sometimes we'll listen to some people with some wild shit because in that in 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 the, our detective work, we'll discover some shit. Sometimes people can be on they can give you half truths and they delusion. Legina, <laughs> there's no truth in her delusion of being like Kelly's child, but you can get some truth about uh, about like her mental illness, what's going on with her and stuff like that. But listen, y'all need to send that girl back. Jag, you need to send that girl back. You don't need her delusion, her and her, her delusion seeing yours. It's a hot bit. And they, they had that girl all over the internet talking about she was like Kelly. Child, I don't know. I don't know. It's life is so whatever going on is so tough that she'd rather be R. Kelly and Aaliyah's child. Lord have mercy. A hot ass mess. <laughs> so that is the uh, recent things that going over Jaguar right over there, boys. Too much, too much, too much, job. Yeah, I had to go to YouTube and the YouTube sheet to see some of the YouTube players on Jaguar, right? Because it's, a, you know, that's where you get out of play by play action, okay? But it's like watching a a, a reality show go left. <laughs> you know, one reality show I hated watching. I would not. Now I used to love being Bobby Brown, okay? I was. That's one of my. That's probably my favorite reality show of all time. Listen, it would never. Ever, I know Whitney and Bobby was dysfunctional. That shit. I remember my friend coming to see you stupid. And I'd be like, girl, the Christmas, when they were singing Christmas carols was one of my favorite. Because I'm silly. I'm a silly person. And Bobby and Whitney were silly together. Boy, when they was out there singing Christmas carols and Whitney with the Christmas carol people, and Whitney was uh, doing that just shut up, shut up in the camera and held to Oh, man, it was so. I wish they would release. Being Bobby Brown on video, I mean on like a like a set or something, I can just have in my just have to keep <laughs> that shit was hilarious. The best shit ever. <laughs> it's the best fucking reality TV that ever has ever been. It was short lived, but that shit was beautiful. And you know what was funny about it because Whitney, it was like I was I was I think I was in total shock about how. I saw Whitney and my girlfriend be like, that's just a train wreck. Yeah, it was a train wreck, but it wasn't one where you're like, oh, ooh, you looking at a train wreck like, ooh. Like, it was like a happy train wreck. It was like, I mean, the shit was wild. You was laughing. They made me laugh. It was like wild shit they were saying. I was like, oh, my God. Like the constipated episode when Whitney was talking about being constipated. Oh, my God, one of my favorites. It was just showing the humanity, even though they was crazy as fuck, they was hostile. It was, in my head, it was still fun. Okay. Now, the one reality show I could never watch, I just I only watched a couple episodes, and I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not watching this shit. This shit is exploitative. 
and you just go off of the show. I mean, all reality shows are in some bitch. But this was horrible. And that was Bobby Christina. After Whitney and that, child, that thing. I watched about two to three episodes. I was ready to jump. I, I, I was ready to shoot up. I, I mean, it was so depressing. I was like, come the fuck on. Like, go get her some help. It was so hard. I mean, just the, all the dysfunction. It was dark dysfunction. I just, it was just something I could not watch. I was like, I can't turn this shit off. And that's how, <laughs> I mean, Jag is funny sometimes, but it's like, now it's starting to get dark dysfunction. Like, where you're going, okay, this shit is not going to go well. And the other day, oh, I didn't, I didn't even mention that her going into the police station and cussing out the police, that's how she got arrested. I didn't tell y'all how she got arrested. I thought I was got caught up in the other stuff. But Jag got arrested because she walked into the police station talking about somebody in the police station when she got arrested before, stole her phone, and, oh, my God, she was cussing them out, calling them out. Kind of, they, the police, you know, the police, they just put her ass in there. <laughs> and she told some of the story on her live chat about, y'all got to go to Jaguars live and Instagram live and hear some of the story, but, uh, I was like, okay, now it's getting just a whole nother story. It's starting to get just dark and crazy, but... Anyway, moving on to the NAACP Image Award, Will Smith, uh, this is from Hollywood Reporter, Angela Bassett, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, among top ten winners. Um, all these movies, uh, I question. Uh, Will emancipate? See, listen, I'm going to talk about the NAACP Awards in just a second. Let me read this article from a Hollywood Reporter. Ani Reed, Benjamin Crump had the audience on his seat with a fiery speech where he urged people to fight for our children's future until hell freezes over. A lot of times Benjamin and them like to settle. And then we have to be ready to fight uh, uh, fight on the ice, okay? Uh, Ansel Bassett, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and Abbey Elementary were among the top winners of the 2023 NAACP Image Awards. Bassett took the top prize for Entertainer of the Year at at the Queen Latifah hosted ceremony with Latifah herself presenting her with the honor. And when Bassett took the stage to accept the last award for Saturday night live ceremony, her first remarks were for Ariana D. Boyce's viral BAFTA rap. She said, I guess Angela Bassett did the thing, huh? Bassett said, after acknowledging her sisters in the all-female entertainer of the year category, Bassett reflected on how her project like, What's Love Got to Do With It? How Still Got to Be Back and Working with Directors like Spike Lee and the late John Singleton. Um, she mentioned her Black Panther, kind of favorite director, Ryan Cooler, saying he showed us that, that we are royalty and he built a crown for all of us to wear. <laughs> she won Best Actress in the Johnny Sinatra for her role in 9-11. Black Panther, what kind of forever, won Best Motion Picture during Saturday Night Ceremony and earlier week. Picked up seven awards, making a film, which led the Image Awards nomination with 12 nods, the top winner with eight wins. <sighs> Abbott Elementary won Best Comedy Series and sixth award over the course of the NAACP six-day six day awards presentation. That's fucking crazy. Star creator Quinta uh, Bronson accepted the comedy series as she invited her co-stars and 2023 Image Awards winners Tyler James Williams and Janelle James to join her. Uh, Will Smith won Best Actor in a Motion Picture for Emancipation, a rare honor for the actor in wake of the high-profile slap of Chris Rock's last year's Oscar film. I don't think Will should have won. I, no offense, Will. They were trying to be nice. 
But that movie was horrible. The, the story went through. It was a lot of stuff there. Uh, let me just stop here because I just don't feel like reading anymore about the NAACP Awards. But I do want to answer. Oh, newly minted EGOT recipient, Dial Davis, won her eighth NAACP Image Award for her Oscar snub starring role in The Woman King. Let me just say why she was snub. See, the, in my personal opinion, what I've seen over the years with the Oscars, the Oscars don't like you to tell a fake ass story. Like if you like if you gonna say tell if you got real authentic characters, even though some of the white kid people getting away with that too sometimes. But when you black, you really gotta make sure your stories sometimes are authentic because sometimes they hate that. They'll even pick on white actors with that. If you telling like the Woman King story again, these were slave traders. They don't want no smoke with people marching and stuff like that. And Angela, I mean, and Viola was trying to say that, uh, tell that shit off is not that. Okay. Um, so it's not. It was just probably wasn't a good film for the Oscars. They didn't want to touch it. Um, but let me just say this about the NAACP Awards, okay? First of all, it's too long to have a six day ceremony. Y'all fucking, that's too long. Secondly, I don't think y'all see out here in these streets. You know, it always starts in the grassroots movement, like the endings of things. People, grassroots movement, at one time, the nonviolent movement was a grassroots movement. At one time, Malcolm X and the Muslim ground roots movement, the Black Panther, ground roots movement. A lot of times, people don't see their demise come. NAACP, this is you. Hell, I used to be in NAAP, NAACP. I used to be in NAACP. When I was out, when I was a young girl, I was in AXO committee. I was the VP of my AXO committee. All that stuff. President of AXO. I, I used to be in all of The NAACP over the years, I mean, there's more information out here nowadays about the history of the NAACP. Sometimes it could turn people off because the origins of the NAACP, a lot of people question, you know, stuff like that, who the, who the influencers were in it, who gave the money in the NAACP, things like that. Uh, and has black folks moved about in America, and we're coming up upon, we're on the 20, we're in the 21st century in America. Black people are questioning on the grassroots level the the importance of these groups and how they sold us down the river. They no, no longer stand, to, stand for what we thought they stood for, and we're not sure if they ever did at some point. Um, with groups like coming up like ADOS and FBA, I, I'm really starting to believe that the NAACP is off touch, especially after Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade won that award, okay? She's going to talk about it. Just because a lot of black folks were like, what? Says Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade were emotional when they accepted the president's award because they talked about their daughter Zaya and the issues faced by her and other black trans people. Wade spoke directly to his child. All I wanted to do was get it right. I sat back and watched how gracefully you've taken on the public scrutiny 
And even though it's not easy, I watch you walk out the house every morning as yourself. I admire how you handle ignorance in our world that you face every day. Now, to me, you should have had Zayda up there since y'all got her everywhere else. Union and Wade then call for more inclusive advocacy. The intersection of black rights and the rights of LGBTQIA, trans and gender nonconforming people continues to be rough. That's a huge understatement. Even as we demand equality at the top of our lungs, we consistently fail to extend our advocacy to protect some of our most vulnerable among us. And second, black trans people have been targeted, terrorized, and hunted in this country every day, everywhere. And there's really a whisper about it. She closed by saying, I'm hopeful, we are hopeful that we uh, may witness a final, a real shift in the fight for justice the moment the movement makes room for everyone. Okay, black American movement is a movement for everybody. We ain't got time to focus on one thing. That's not, if we're not here for the transgender community or other groups, other things to co-opt the whole idea of black people having freedom and move and moving in the in in black America in American society. Okay, that's what she wants. She wants you to co she wants that to co-opt it, Gabrielle Union. Let me just say this, okay? I don't know why the NAACP gave them an award. I really don't. I seriously, I mean, you know, this is a private matter between parents and their child. And these two people have extended it out, kind of, in my opinion, exploited the situation and put it out there and they, when they have careers in entertainment. I don't want to diss them. I like Gabrielle Union. I like the little movie. But however, and Dwayne Wade was a good basketball player, but however, this is a private moment. You didn't have your kid up there when you were accepting the war. Kids should have been up there when you were accepting the war because it's all about things. Now, if they was fighting for trans people, that's okay. But this is you, you fighting for, you specifically, it's about your child. And you specifically got the war for that. This is just messy, I feel. And I feel like this is where groups like the NAACP and them don't know. Most black America are moving away from the bullshit. Like a lot of entertainers are losing their influence. I mean, you know. They're seeing it in white America. I mean, where the money's at. Not y'all to care about white America, but you got to because they got all, they got the money to pay you, liberals and stuff like that. And they seeing you lose your grip. I mean, you even seen some entertainers get more desperate to try to, you know, uh, 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 gain a grip on on the black community because if you lose your influence in the black community, you lose your job. But the more things like this happen, I feel one day the NAACP is going to be extinct. And not that we don't want to help transgender people and stuff like that, but you got to be careful that this award, you're giving out a war. What, what did they get the war for? Was it about the help of Zaya? It should be private and personal. It's about the transgender community. A lot of people didn't like them getting an award. But there's a lot of things about the NAACP that's off. Even how the awards they give. They always know who's going to win them in every category. It's not really competitive. The most exciting thing I thought the NAACP award was Zendaya. Zendaya looked like fire. Who's Zendaya? Y'all see Zendaya? That white. 
that hair. Oh, I love that hair. Ooh, I said, I'm wearing my, I'm, I, can, I can get my hair like that. That's cute. I was like, oh, I got to wear my hair like that one. I wore my hair like that, similar to that, but not all the way like that. But I like just like the cut, the little bit of the cut. And I was like, ooh, I need to, I need to do that. She looked gorgeous. I liked it. I love seeing her at the war show. Um, they said Carrie Williams presented Serena Williams with the Jackie Robinson Sports Award. Leon W. Russell presented Benny Thompson with the Chairman's Award. Nico Annan won Best Actor in a Drama Series for his role in Pea Valley. Uh, and the awards welcome special guest Brittany Griner, who walks on stage with his, with her wife, Sherelle, to stand in the basin. Um, I don't know. I didn't watch the award show. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't watch it. I, I quit watching Can I just say this? I quit watching the NAACP awards years ago like I did. I, I've done a lot of award shows. I've kind of put them away, a lot of the award shows. I don't watch them anymore because they're just, I'll go back and watch highlights. Like, I watched the Grammys this year, but most of the time, I don't usually watch them anymore. I feel like they're rigged sometimes. I feel like they're just boring. I just feel like, mm. and I feel, I've heard a lot of people saying that about the NAACP Awards. So y'all better watch out for y'all find yourself outdated. I really actually think that, you know, it is happening on the low level. Like, people are just kind of like, mm, over that kind of stuff. And uh, sometimes when we act, I feel like, and I could be wrong in this, and forgive me, NAACP, if I am, but when we stop helping our people and we become a gatekeeping part of society of our people it is uh can be a rather uncomfortable energy and that's why i think a lot of people see NAACP as no longer a help but like a gatekeeping aspect with certain groups and certain people it just doesn't feel like as a whole it's helpful anymore helpful in a big gigantic way like when they show up and endorse up. But what here's what I'm saying. When we look at black stats in America, black particularly the people you were formed to help, which are black Americans, when we look at the stats of black Americans, they are hideous. And that means in the last how many years has NAACP been in existence? Uh, let me go. That's fine. Yeah, hold on. Uh, since 1909. So in the last hundred and some years, 113, 112, 113 years, our people are literally at the bottom in American society financially, I mean, economically, 
education sometimes lies in certain spots. We are looking at a dying of Black America, and the NAACP has not been able to address the massive problems of our community. And it's almost an indictment. This community has the stats it does, and you've been around since 1909, has an advancement of colored people. In America's oldest, largest civil rights organization, formed in New York by white and black, well, don't say by white, activists, partly in response to the ongoing violence against black Americans around the country. How have you done it? Have you looked at the community lately? Have you looked at the stats lately? How have you advanced us? Because there's groups like coming through here like ADOS, FBA, all, we, we, we just not playing games. They saying, hey, you know, we got to look through some, we got a problem out here. And they are for the advancement of African-Americans who the group was made for. Because realizing that African-Americans are the lowest right now on the totem pole. But you guys have graduated to other things and other people. So it's like, why should we still be supporting these this thing? Because you no longer are looking at the needs of the communities. And the communities are in shambles right now. We got gentrification on fleet. Crazy. I don't know. I'm not enthused about seeing that anymore. It's an indictment against not only us as a people in our struggle to maintain, but it's an indictment against organizations that claim they are here for our help and they haven't been advanced in the people. Just my opinion, though. Where am I? Okay. Larissa Pippen. I don't know if this this one I'm getting ready to talk about is really more about Larissa Pippen or who's the girl who interviewed her? Lord, I don't want to blank. Um, or the talk show host who interviewed her. I'm trying to look, pull it up here. Uh, let's see. I'm pulling it up here. Yeah, I'm like I don't know where my my where I'm more what I'm more uh, looking at going. What's more the problem, Larissa Pippen or Cameron Hall? <laughs> Interviewing Larissa Pippen because that just tells me you know more so that I'm right about Cameron Hall. Okay, so let me pull it up. Yeah, if y'all can hear some of the interview between Cameron Hall and Larissa Pippen. Because Tamara Howe is this, she has to do these interviews where you're going, she doesn't really sound natural doing them. Why? Because you always think of Tamara Howe kind of more serious. But here she is on talking about Larissa Pippen to Larissa Pippen about Marcus Jordan relationships. And all this. And it's like, 
camera is trying now be muted. Help us, Jesus. Okay? So let's listen. We had heard it all the sirens, and at first we didn't think too much about it because... Okay, I got the wrong interview up, hold on. Okay, here we go. September. At the time, you said you guys were just friends, and then it was revealed when you said on Valentine's Day that he was your forever Valentine. Are you guys in love? Um, I think so. We're, we're in a really good place. Yeah. How do you I feel, like, I feel like a lot of people think that we've known each other our whole lives, which we... Huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like we, we literally just met at a party um, four years ago. Oh, really? And we were just friends. Because we... We all lived in Chicago. Yeah. When did you meet him? Four years ago. Four years at where? A party. At a party. At, like an L.A. party. Did you know who he was at the time? Well, yeah. We, we have a lot of mutual friends. And so we're kind of in the same circle. So we've been around each other for like the last four years. So you were at a party. And did someone introduce you? How did you connect? Yeah, we were um, at a party. And they were like, oh, you know Marcus, Marcus Jordan. And I was like, oh, hey. And so we became friends in common, like a lot of common ground, you know, like even with the age difference. And I don't say that, I don't yeah. say it specifically because age difference, men get, you yeah. know, able to date people 30 years younger in some cases without judgment. He's 16 years younger. Other than the bulls, like what do you have in common? We have everything in common. Really. I don't, I've dated guys that were a lot older than me. Scotty is 10 years older than me. Scotty's 10 years older than me. Yeah, so I don't really view age as you know, you're mature, yeah, you're not yeah, immature. I, I don't I, I don't feel like that determines if you're mature or not. Well, like, I feel like if you can go if you can drink at twenty one yeah, you, you can go to war at eighteen. Like you know, there's different circumstances but I feel like age doesn't really um, determine your level of maturity. I think the age for most people, if we're being honest, that's secondary. The bigger thing is where you are a beautiful woman. Thank you. And you can date anybody you want. Um why would you date Michael Jordan's son knowing that it's been pretty clear that Scotty Pippen and Michael Jordan didn't have this relationship people thought and certainly don't have it now? Mm-hmm. Scotty has come out publicly and said that this documentary that was produced by Michael Jordan mm-hmm. uh, made him, he says, I was nothing more than a prop, his best teammate of all time. He called me. He couldn't have been more condescending if he tried. You know, that's, you know, I can't, I can't basically explain how someone else feels. That's how Scotty feels. He's, he has a right to the way he yeah. feels. I personally don't really care about what, you know, other people, how he, you know. I feel like I live my truth. I'm happy. I feel like we get along with my best friend. And so yeah. I, this is your best friend. Yeah, I feel like we have a lot in common. But as I was saying, you could date anybody in the world. But Why you know, date Michael Jordan? I didn't plan it like that. It wasn't like it was planned like that. I think we were just together a lot with our friends, and it just so happened. It wasn't like something I, like, planned. you got to remember, like, I feel like for me being, you know, married to someone that was an athlete or whatever, it's really hard. You get scrutinized a lot. People don't think you should have a life once you get divorced. They think you're, once you're divorced, you're, like, done. And I feel like I've overcome so many different obstacles because I feel like I should have love. I should be able to date who I want. I should be able to, like, you know, like, live happy and 
go, you know, just go wherever I want to go and not be judged every time I'm seen with someone. And you should. You should. I'm curious because when you start dating someone, it's hard. It is hard. It's also hard meeting their parents. Have you met Michael Jordan and Juanita Jordan, and what did they say about the relationship? You know, I don't really, I mean, of course, I recently have not, you know, I've recently been hanging out with them. Um, but I don't really want to talk about them. I feel like it's not about, you know, my parents or his parents. They're all happy. Our whole family's fine. I feel like it's more about, like, where I am, where he is. You know, I feel like we're in a great place. That means they don't like your ass. Listen, let me just say this, okay? Because <laughs> you say, oh, I'm cool with it. First of all, let me hit Larissa, okay? Larissa is just kind of messy. Larissa's been out of these publicity streets. It'd be different if she was quiet in her shit. Like, you know, before she was with the Kardashians and shit, she did an interview on Hollywood Unlocked about Scotty Pippen. Remember, she was the same chick allegedly was messing around with Future. I mean, it's a lot of shit there. It's a lot of shit that comes with Larissa Pippen. I understand, Larissa. I understand, okay? And there is a thing with women dating younger men. I had somebody in my family who used to love dating younger men. I mean, like, I remember one time. <laughs> This particular person in my family, I was like, I was out somewhere, and they was dating, like, one of my peers. And I was like, what the fuck? I mean, you know, they, they was an older woman. I was like, you got to stop this shit. <laughs> I know they ass. <laughs> some younger women, and, and you know what? I'm going to say this. Some, most of the time I feel, this is what I really feel. I ain't got hate 19 up. Hey, 19, we can't dance tonight. This is a silly dance. I feel like they put that relation, they put that shit together. Like, you know, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that you can't meet somebody younger and fall for them. I'm just saying that for women, it's really hard because there's so much maturity that comes with women versus men, okay? So for I feel the same way sometimes with certain men. Like, I don't like certain times, I don't like men like, sometimes some of these girls is too young, but that kind of points to the maturity of the male. You know, some men, really, they fall for a younger woman, and I think you just have to measure relationships by how they go, like, certain, you know, like, by individuals. But sometimes, I remember, like, I told y'all this before. One time I was reading this article, and a woman was, she was dating this star, and he was, she was like, she was way too young. She, to me, in my opinion, she was too young for his ass. But then I was like, man, he's probably kind of kiddish. You know what I'm saying? So that's why. And it's hard sometimes, listen, it's hard sometimes to find an older person that's youthful and, you know, um, got certain types of energy that you have. And so that might be why that person was dating that person. But I just feel like, uh, like sometimes when you have a common and with Larissa Pippen, I feel like it's just a sense of immaturity. She got married to Scotty Pippen, who was 10 years older than herself when she was young. She had children, a family. And in my personal opinion, just viewing Larissa and from what I've seen of her in the public, first of all, it's messy as fuck to be dating Michael Jordan's son because knowing that you got kids by Scotty, that no, 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 sometimes you got to say, damn, nah, this don't look like I may like you and shit. I need to keep it, or keep it quiet or keep it put, quiet while y'all date or something like that. It just seems messy. Like, he was really 16 and shit. Like, when he was born. 
And he was literally like with Scotty, probably when he was a little kid running around. You probably even seen him as a little kid. You should marry Scotty Pippen. I'm just this. I'll get this right. <laughs> um, Barca Pippen, 1997. 1997, you was married to Scotty. So, uh, in uh, 1997, um, I'm trying to think, Michael Jordan's son. What's that make him? He's probably he, he probably was like four or five or six years old or something. Like <laughs> I don't think I know you saw him at the games and shit. You just see how I just it just don't seem right to me. But you know, listen, here's the thing: it just seems tacky because that is what your ex husband best teammate, you run around and I think you want a lot of publicity from this shit. And I think you are immature chick because in nineteen ninety seven let's see. What was let me see. I'm trying to this is trying to see this here. Okay, so she was twenty three years old when she married Scotty Pippen, okay? So uh, so Michael Jordan's son was seven years old, okay? So, bitch, while you was having babies, he was running around the little area. You got your little baby probably holding them and shit. I mean, you know, she has four children, including Scotty Jordan. See, and what, listen, you already got four kids. So this is my personal opinion is that Larissa married him at a very young age and she didn't have a time to be young. She married a guy when she was, see, this is what I'm saying, manosphere. Listen closely, come close and listen about women, which you need to understand. When you get them that young sometimes and you don't allow them to have a life, they start, they, at the time when you need them most, when they get mature in the ages and up, they start to say, fuck that. I don't think it's time. I don't think I want to stay up in here with your old ass. <laughs> That's what happened to Scotty Pippen. Larissa, allegedly, when was out here, you know, Larissa started running around. Hey, I, allegedly. I'm just saying, Larissa's like, so that you marrying young don't guarantee you like you molding somebody. Okay. Here she is now, 20-some years later, 25 years later, being a fucking thorn and your side running around with your ex-teammates, child, fun, grown up. Because you married this girl when she wasn't mature enough or ready probably for marriage. And you probably didn't. She immediately became probably a mother. She got four kids. And so this is the childishness you're seeing. It's not that women can't date younger men. It's just that you have to, to me, your maturity shows in how you choose the situation. Like you're saying, you know, yeah, kid, this is a fucky, funky-ass situation. It's a way to handle it even if you can't help it. But she's all out in public, all on Instagram taking pictures, because she's a child herself. 
Larissa probably stopped about 23 when she got married. She probably still a 23-year-old in her head. And it's probably not a form of maturity. And, yes, she's trying to defend herself and saying that shit. And they got the right to be loved and everything. But, it's, lady, do you understand? This is the kid. This is the kid. He, your husband's best teammate, he was partnering with him for years. He probably knew that kid when he was little. And I'm sure your little funky ass did, too. <laughs> you might did you babysit? Well, I know I need to talking about your ass. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's just to me that this just she is a childish person. A lot of times what you will find in these relationships with sometimes with these men like R. Kelly. The reason why R. Kelly allegedly kept well ain't alleged no more the reason why R. Kelly was allegedly messing with younger women is because he he, he wasn't he didn't have any growth. He was still living like a little kid probably somewhere at 14 to 15. I don't say that and give you a right to be a pedophile. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it can open up doors to craziness because something stopped your maturity. I'm not comparing her to a pedophile. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to say that Larissa is, is young in her head. The reason she's dating like this is because she didn't have a chance to explore that. And listen, when women get in middle age, we explore a lot of things we didn't when we were younger. But how we approach that and how we make that look is is a it's an effort of maturity too. Like I have a youthful heart, but I'm also very, you know, I'm very mature in some things. Some things I can be very childish in some but some things I'm very mature. And I have to be you have to have growth spurt. You have to have a sense of maturity. Things like being mature, you say, this is inappropriate. And if, if, or if we're going to do it, we need to be very private about it. Cameron Hall next doing these type of interviews, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I don't like Cameron doing I don't like Cameron doing talk shows. But I do think that of all the people in the world, there is. I believe there's a reason that she's – we hang around the same friends. What are your friends, 10? He's 32 years old. Who the fuck are you hanging with? No, that's a lot. See, this is a lot. I heard somebody else say that when they interviewed – like the person, the younger girl was saying – he had your same friends. I was like, oh, that's why you hang around ten year olds. I mean, you know, because you, because they're not mature enough to hang with older people, or sometimes it's just like you know, it's hard to find something, you know, to, because you you're not maturing. Like I like younger people. There's some younger friends I got. I I, I may hang or go somewhere with. I like younger people. But I also like older people. I mean, I'm an older person. And there's some things I just can't fucking relate to. They can't fucking relate to, right? But I also love, I have a youthful heart so I can have some young friends. But what would it look like if my ass was just hanging around with 19-year-olds all the time? Damn it. Just have that look. 
Well, somebody think about this, okay? So that's sometimes how people look. You, it's okay to have a friend that's 19, 20 years old or something like that, but you don't, life, your life is expansive. So to me, when I see a person just hangs nothing around with you, I'm a little worried, right? Because I'm looking at your maturity levels, okay? I'm not saying you can't have 19-year-old friends, 20-year-old friends. I'm saying when that's all you do. And it sounds like the Rissa Pippen, she she be sounding like, like, like that, okay? I don't know, you know? It's crazy, this story, okay? But I just think she's trolling, too. All right, so, um, and I don't think that boy's going to say, well, he, 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 I mean, really. <laughs> and it might be exploring, you know, he may be, hey, I don't know where he's at with his own family and his own mother. She may be checking and making sure he don't need a mama, okay? But sometimes people be needing mama out in the street. They be liking you because you remind them of they, what they mama they should have. Okay. <laughs> my mommy was around. You remind me of my mommy. <laughs> All right, like you got some sort of mommy vibes or something on you. Because some people, some men didn't get nurturing. And so they look, if you're a nurturer, some men will look for you, look for that in you. And it's nothing wrong with one a man wanting someone to nurture them. But sometimes they want you to be their mommy, and they're not interested in you being their lover and their friend and their nurturing partner in a way that's nurturing from a partner's point of view, not trying to be your mommy. You and your mommy got to go heal with whatever the fuck's wrong with you. On that level. Now, I can heal you from a love point of view. You know what I'm saying? We can we can share love. If we, if we, I can heal you from a partner point of view, but I am not your mama. <laughs> Fuck I look like. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? It's like I'm not your mama. Even though I got these, you know, I'm not, I look nurturing. I am not, I, I am a nurturer. But if I'm going to be your love, that is going to be a different type of nurturing. I can't heal the wounds of your mother. You have to heal those within yourself. Now I can give you some things that help you heal. The nurturing may help someone heal. But then what happens a lot of times is those two expect you to be mommy. It's like, no, you know. I'll tell a personal story right here. God, I hope she doesn't get upset for me telling this story. But I want to tell it. You know, one of the ways growing up I had to come to terms with because, you know, I grew up with my older grandparents, and my mother was more like my sister. And as I got older, you know, I realized, like, you know, there's a generation, even though my grandmother is very youthful and stuff, there's still a good, like a generation of sometimes gaps between things. And I remember sometimes just getting angry, like being mad at my mother because I was like, you know, I was wanting her to be something that she just could not possibly be. Like, you know what I'm saying? She, like, I was wanting her to be, a, like, sometimes, like, as I'm an older adult, I was wanting to see her, like, in a traditional mom life. My mother's very youthful. She, you know, sometimes I act younger than me, okay? So I'm like, I'm like, yo, like, what the, like, I was, I was still trying to chase a mommy that I would never have. 
Like my grandmother was very nurturing. My grandmother was great, but that was my grandmother. But I was still trying to chase, chase traditional versions of mothering. And I had to heal that part of myself because I had to realize, wait a minute, you will not get this. This person cannot get, this person doesn't have the capacity. They've never been that, that type of mother. They can't hand you that. They can't, and it's not saying she's a bad person. I'm just saying that she would, she didn't raise her child. So she, she was very young. And so she didn't have the experience of motherhood. So I had to accept that this is a different type of mother-daughter relationship. And I have a mother-daughter relationship with my grandmother and, you know, with my grandfather a father, daughter, but I will never have a traditional relationship from my parents because that's just not there. It's different. And I had to heal with that. I had to be okay with that. So I think a lot of times you have young men who have not had a parent not all young men, but some young men, and they tend to go after sometimes older women seeking money, or women who are mature or nurturing, trying to seek their mother out. And and they and what they have to come to terms with, the first thing in healing is you didn't get what you didn't get from your mama. That's just there. It is there. And, and you ain't going to never get They ain't that type of person. So you got to meet them where the fuck they at. And you got to allow yourself to heal so you will stop running in circles chasing something that you're never going to get. You was meant to be different. It's just different. And that brought me a lot of healing. For myself, it brought me a lot of healing because I had to realize, you know, I don't have a traditional relationship with my parents. It's a different type of relationship. And I don't expect that from them anymore. I don't expect it at all. They weren't you know, in those roles. They weren't in that role, you know. So they 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 love their daughter. They just don't have that capacity of, like, my grandparents do, of parenting. It's very – and so to me, because I was raised in a highly unusual circumstance, even though I got the parenting and everything from my grandparents, you still kind of seek it still from your parents because you're like, well, hey – you know, I expect you to be mature about <laughs> I expect you to understand. But they're not because they're really not your parents. I mean, they're your parents, but they're not biologically. They haven't raised you. So the relationship that you have with them is going to be different. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be, it's never going to be what, you can't expect them to be traditional. You weren't, you weren't, this isn't a traditional situation, right? And once you realize that, you'll quit looking for what you think everybody else has out here. And you'll realize, I got to heal within myself. And actually, you know, what made me heal better with that is my grandparents. My grandmother was on that, like, when she, I was little. She was on like, on that, where I was little, like, this is, this is going to be, this is different. She always tells me that it ain't nothing you got to worry. You got the best of, you know, this both worlds, you know, whatever. But it still, as I got older, I had to come to terms with it. And sometimes you got a lot of men out here who, with these old women, 
is looking for their mommy. I don't know what kind of relationship that he had with Wani, his mama, but I do know, you know, he had parents that were divorced, parents that were kind of up there. And so it may be some situation going on there, you know, where it's a dude looking for his mama. And she needs to make sure that's not the case. You know, because he's going to find himself asked out with Larissa over there. Cause Larissa, but Larissa does have four children, but Larissa is, is having a sense of immaturity, too. So just tell that story because a lot of times that's what sometimes people are looking for nurturing of a parent in relationships. A nurturing sometimes that they can get from a parent. And that's sometimes why you have these sort of dynamics going on. I'm not saying that's their dynamic, but, you know, hey. Whatever. Ash is back. I must say that, you know, I quit watching Billions because the Ash was gone. I saw the first three episodes of the first one, and I was like, eh, they had lost me. So now I have to go back and watch last season. I love Ash. The character of Ash. <sighs> wow. Damon Lewis plays the heck out of that. Damon Lewis confirms his return to Billions, and Billions fans all go, Yes! <laughs> okay, so uh, it says Damon Lewis has announced his return to the popular TV series Billions after two series away. Uh, uh, two is it two? Has it been two seasons? The British actor 52 will reprise the role of hedge fund wizard Bobby Axelrod for the upcoming seventh season. Announcing the news on the Late Show with Stephen Colbert, he said Bobby Bobby's back. He is coming back. Axe is back, and it's exciting. He has not been around for a couple of seasons, but he is back. Asked when exactly his character will return, he replied, I, can, I can't tell you that. U.S. media let outlets later reported he would return for around 12 of the, for around half of the 12, of the 12 episode series. Axel exited the show in late 2021 when viewers saw him fleeing New York and his Wall Street-based escape legal world. It came after Lewis wife, Ellen McCord, the acclaimed actress, died in April age 52 after being diagnosed with breast cancer. U.S. Network Showtime said in this description of the upcoming series, in season seven, alliances are turned on their heads. Old wounds are weaponized. Loyalties are tested. Betrayal takes on epic proportions. Enemies become wary friends, and Bobby Axelborough returns, and the stakes flow from Wall Street to the world. Okay. Among Lewis' other best-known roles, with Army Made You Wear Trip Winters and HBO miniseries, Band of Brothers. Okay, I don't care. All I'm excited about is the actuals coming back. I have not seen Billions in a while. I used to love Billions. Billions was my shit, okay? I have not seen it in a while. I cannot wait. I, I'm getting ready to watch two seasons then. I'm going to read that before. I mean, not now, but, you know, literally like this week. I got to catch up. I got to catch up. Because I want to be ready for when Axel come through the door. <laughs> oh, God, I love. Now, people have been saying, now, I've been hearing some other Billion fans say they don't know where Axel is going to fit in because people who stayed, some people who stayed with the series, which a lot of us left, a lot of fans left, they say, but who stayed with the series said it's been really good the last two seasons. They don't know how he's going to fit in. I don't know. I'm going to have to watch it to find out. So I'm going to catch up, and I'll let y'all know. Billions. You know what my other favorite show is? I haven't watched it in a while either. I think it's had a season out, but I haven't got to see the season, the newest season. It's a session. Oh, 
I love this. I'm a Scorpio. So I like all those power, power broker moves, other people's money. I be like, I eat that stuff up. Okay, so secession. It's like this wealthy family who owns this media, big, huge media conglomerate and all the shit they go to. Oh, it's one of my favorite series. Secession, what I love about secession is I love dialogue. And, you know, I'm an actor, so I love that. And I'm a, I write, too, sometimes. People don't hardly know that. I've been writing since I was young. But as a guy, I, I love dialogue. And I remember I was in this playwright class a couple of semesters ago. And when the teacher wrote me, and she said to me, she says, one of the things I love about you as a writer is your dialogue. You are so real with your dialogue. Part of that is because I love, like, lyrics, words, all kinds of things, okay? I do. I just really do. I like words. So what I love about secession, secession is to me have great, uh, like, they have great dialogue. I like the dialogue. So Bobby, the billions does too. Very great, like, quotes, dialogues, weird things. Like, I remember one season uh, with with secession, there was this um, um, uh, particular, uh, like, even when, okay, let me go back, rewind. When Billions went off, Billions last season, they had this big thing between Bobby trying to decide if he was going to leave, you know, was he going to face up to these charges or leave or whatever. And they had this great dialogue about, uh thinking you're God when you're rich. Oh, my God, the dialogue was delectable. I mean, it's one of the best dialogues ever. So I love that about business. Business has great dialogue. But also the secession does, too. And in one of the series, there was this conversation, because the sister is the one of the, the sister or the daughter in secession has married this guy. And she's been married to him for a long time. And the guy is kind of, he's really a nice guy and everything. But he kind of gets pushed around in her family. Kind of gets pushed around by her and everything. And there's this dialogue that happens between the father and the daughter. They're kind of having this argument. And the father says, the reason you, you know, you're in that situation, he said, you're afraid to compete. And that's why you married who you got. I said, oh, shit. I mean, the dialogue is that kind of singing. It's like, uh, uh, uh. I mean, I mean, yeah, I just love it. Succession and billions, some of the best dialogue on the fucking planet. That'd be just crazy. <laughs> I love it. Some of my two of my favorite series. I'm excited. Axe is back. For those of you who love billions, no, Axe is back. We can all watch again. We can we can all breathe again. We got to catch up for those of us who have who abandoned the series. We do have to catch up and you know catch it real quick to see what's going on. Okay, uh, next let's see. Uh, what else did I say I wanted to talk to y'all about? Um, talk about Jaguar. Trying to figure out what what I have next up for you guys. Talk about interracial. Sure. Okay, um, um, let me talk about this. I'm trying to figure out what else I had to talk to. Okay, I know there's something else. I got to pull it up here. Okay, talk about that. 
Okay. I'm pulling it up, y'all. I know y'all hate blank, blank space, but I'm going to get into it. Uh, you talked about Apollonia. I told you guys about that. Uh, okay, there's an interesting article you guys might check out on Apple News. Uh, uh, and I'm just going to tell y'all um, just to check it out. Uh, it's about Westmore. Let me see. Do I pop it up? Let me see if I can pull it up. I'm going to try to pull it up and leave you guys some of it. Okay, so they're trying to sell off Westmore as the next big thing. You always see how uh, <sighs> they're trying, when they're trying to sell you somebody, I mean, this is, this is like a sale like Barack Obama, and that always makes me even more suspicious. But uh, the, the article is, um, is I said Westmore, where Westmore comes from. The Maryland governor may be the Democrats' uh, most talented, um, most talented newcomer since Barack Obama. Okay, and, and listen, as a Black American person, I can see mostly how there is a dual way. And this isn't to diss anybody in the diaspora who is in America. Please don't take the shit personal. They bring a lot of y'all sometimes to try to deal with, deal with, do us in. They think you're easier to deal with. Okay? But I can't help but see. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? There is this push, but I already know what's going on. It's a push towards globalism. Okay, but it says about 80 military veterans sit in a plastic uh Patriots, Westmore says, praising, uh, pausing for effect. The room falls silent. The slot machines in the lobby are quiet. I'm thankful that I'm in a room full of people who understand what that word means. Uh, he says, uh, tonight he has come to mostly red. Okay, so it says about 80 million veterans sit at a plastic cold table in front of a bar topped with uh, metal buckets of Coors Light. It's a chilly January night at an American Legion home. Uh, Maryland's eastern shore. Moore is wearing a tie but no jacket. His bald head gleaming under full rinsed light. In a few days, the 44-year-old will be sworn in as Maryland's first black governor, the third elected in American history, and only one currently serving. Tonight, he comes to this mostly red, mostly white swath of an otherwise very blue, very black state to uh, connect with his soon-to-be constituents. Patriotism is not waving a flag around, Moore says. Uh, patriotism is not telling our neighbors that we are better than them. Patriots, this is our time to get this right. More seem as both product and uh, through a line of remarkable biography. Growing up fatherless and surrounded by violence, he turned to his life, his life around a graduated Phi Beta Kappa from John Hopkins University and won Rhodes Scholarship to Oxford. He's a decorated Army combat veteran, a best-selling author of uh, inspirational memories, and a former Wall Street banker. Mm-hmm. Small uh, businessman and nonprofit CEO. This week after his first term in elected office, he is widely considered the Democrats' most talented political newcomer since Barack Obama. Headlines already speculate he'll be the second black president. 
Now, that means second non-black American president, traditional black American president. He will be, his background is Jamaican. Barack Obama's background is Kenyan. Now, I say this is all important because that's important to understanding. This is why Barack Obama, now we understand why we didn't get shit done. Because Barack Obama, in some sense, even though he did community work and everything, he was very disconnected from the black community. And then understand the needs of the black community. Because he was black Kenyan. Even though he got a black American wife and all that stuff. Same thing with this dude. When you start hearing trajectories and stuff like, you know, of where they going and where they going to go, they want him to go this way. Every black American person that's been in the Democratic Party that could have made it, something's gone wrong with them. Because there is a push to no longer define black Americanism with black Americans, but to, to, to define it as this globalism because we are moving we are we moving deeper into the age of globalism, and in the age of globalism, black people, you were the front, black Americans, you were the front, you were the picture, which you didn't know it of what blackness should be. You didn't know that that's what they was doing with you. And now everybody feels like they come over and eat after black Americans, and black Americans sometimes we are non, we are so accepting that we don't understand what's going on. Uh, since President Biden held a rally with him the night before November election on Obama, on a, and Obama himself cut an ad, uh, cut an ad on Moore's behalf, Representative Stacey Hoyer, the former House Majority Leader, puts Moore in a category with Obama, Bill Clinton, and J. F. Kennedy. Uh, West lifts people up from their cynicism into the optimism and gives them a sense of the possible says Hoyer, who endorsed Moore and brainstormed this Maryland district for him despite plan, uh, planning to stay out of last year's crowded uh, gubernatorial primary. Okay, so question. Is there no black Americans on the stand front that can be president next? Where are they at? Ain't nobody out there? Are we just seeing uh, uh, black people from the diaspora? We're not seeing any black traditional Americans this that's a lot. They're seeing a lot. And they're using you. What they're doing is using black, because what they do is relate to black American uh, history, right off of black American history. Black people are like, oh, yeah, but you're not understanding how, you're not asking them questions about, like we ask our own black people, black black American people, we still sometimes have to see how you see blackness in America and how you see black people in America in order to do the continue the fight of civil rights and things that black people in America need. But a lot of these people don't see the fight the same way you do because they're, they, they've been raised in homes as second generational uh, of black Americans. I mean, black, uh, black, blacks from the diaspora. A Haitian black American doesn't see uh, doesn't see uh, not all the time sees things the same way black Americans do black Americans don't see the same things see things sometimes the way each other do but we do have a code and somewhat of an idea of what civil rights and stuff like that is all about but you have people coming into the community who 
who have just been here within the last 40 to 50 years that don't understand what black America has been through. And then they come in co-opting and trying to talk for black America. It's just like, it's, it's like it's 150, like two, if a bunch of black Americans moved over there to Haiti and we start trying to tell them about how they, uh, you know, do that, how they proceed uh, Haitian history. We be, we be looking at us like you crazy. I mean, you know, so there, we have to be cognizant of globalism and what the plan is now to really, Black American, America, you have been like a thorn in the side of globalism. You're a thorn in the side of, of, of white supremacy. You're one of the most outspoken groups in the world because you've been treated the cruelest. And so I do believe there's this move to softly replace black Americans. We can't let that happen. We love everybody, but everybody can't speak for us. Everybody haven't been through uh, uh, what we've been through. So it's not, I mean, it's, we can only speak for the situations in America and how we see them. That doesn't mean people can't add and give us ideas and stuff like that. But it's when people come in and play avatar. You may have a black face and black this and that, and you pretend to know what the, it's just like Oak Acho. Acho, when Van had to get on Acho a couple of weeks ago, Acho from uh, the Nigerian guy, Nigerian guy, who I like on Sports Center, but Acho was saying uh, how, uh, let me see if I can pull that up. I want to make sure I don't get it wrong. Okay. It says Emmanuel, this is from the New York Post. Uh, this is a bad one. Okay. Now, this coming from a continent that helped to participate in slavery, from somebody from a continent that, so, because Emmanuel Otto says he doesn't have generational trauma. Twitter roasts him, okay? Because every sports partner has their day on social media, and that honor belongs to uh, to Emmanuel Otto, a former NFL player turned FS1 sports analyst is in hot water for his recent appearance on Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay's Higher Learning podcast hosted on The Ringer. And this was a few weeks ago. So the podcast is known for delving into everything black culture, like where sports and politics intersect. So during a recent episode, I also spoke about how his Nigerian heritage affects his relationship with white people because he isn't the descendant of slaves. Uh, so let's see. Is it, is it, is it white people say racism does. I'll play you some of what he said. exist, I know why they say that, because I've been in them rooms when they're saying that. When I kick with black people and they're like, all white people are racist, hmm, I know why you're saying that. All the while, I have the privilege and luxury of not having generational trauma because my parents were born in Nigeria. So, man, my method is removing some of the sting um, because I don't have that sting and trying to deliver a message in a manner that people can receive. Okay, let me tell you why what you just said offends me. Okay. All right. 
you saying that you don't have generational trauma and you didn't mean it this way, but the reason, and, and it's, I have to name it, you saying that you don't have any generational trauma in some way meaning or that in some way meaning that your delivery method to white people is going to be either more effective or more sanitized is, to me, dangerous. And let me tell you why. Everybody that you just named and what you're talking about does what they do in different ways. I don't think that any of the things that they do are necessarily harmful. But what I could say is a black man, a prominent one, acting as an emotional butler for white people and serving them the most milk toast, unspicy, unseasoned brand of racial discourse and accountability possible could definitely be harmful. Like we're fighting for our lives. And to me, having a conversation like that at that particular time, it's not that it's a different method. Everybody has a different method. It's that it's the wrong method. It's that it gives cover for when white people. Okay. And he's right. He's absolutely right. He's a fist. He's talking about he ain't got no generational trauma. You from Nigeria. It's a lot of generational trauma. You got colonization trauma, which could be even worse. And get over here and think he can't speak. He don't go in the room and eat. I'm, see, I'm making better stuff better for you guys. You the reason for, I maybe some of your. I just read an article. I talk about this article often on here, uh, and we don't know who Acho's family is. Uh, where it was in a New York, uh, New York, uh, New York paper. I forget the name of New Yorker, and it was my uh, the, my, uh, my grandfather, the Nigerian slave trader. Some of these people come from from. From slave traders. I'm not saying that's where I chose them from. I'm just saying. You don't know. So that's what I'm trying to say. You can't, ain't, ain't no way you going to come over here and try to, you ain't, what, what, the very people you probably trading, you going to come over here and try to speak for the very people, your ancestors probably trading the slave. Now you going to come over here and try to speak for us in blackface and try to be a nicer version of us. So, well, she's down there. I'm, we we won't I won't boss to accept us. So I say it nice. I ain't got the generation trauma. You sound just like the uh, field, the 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 white, the, what Malcolm calls the house nigga and the field nigga. Okay, we 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 that we we done heard this before, and that shit don't work. We've been we've been here for generate. We done seen your shit before. And part of this is some of Oprah shit because she was endorsing a lot of this. Oprah had his ass on a show just talking about racism and stuff like that. And sometimes we don't understand a lot of black wealthy Americans, black Americans who are wealthy, have a lot of a deep-seated, seated, rooted hate for themselves and their Americanism too. And they people. And they'd rather go to Africa and everywhere else and look for some help. I was listening to uh, For No Fame the other day. I, I really like some of the things. He was talking about how he was, he was talking about how Jay Z is showing a picture of Jay Z and them over there with in Africa building water wells. He said, "I mean, he said you ain't seen them go down in Mississippi trying to get no water." <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, like you see them in Africa. He's like they in Africa grooming other Africans and stuff, but they ain't, they won't dare help their own people. Now I'm not saying that about him, but he was just pointing out certain things. Like Oprah went over there and put, Paul Mooney talked about it for years. 
around and see if I can find that. Uh, I don't know if I can find it or not. Probably won't be seeing it, but she's very interested with, uh, it's kind of mean, but so I don't want to take, uh, fine. Mm-hmm. Do you have to do I have it? I don't know if I have that particular one up with Pablo. You're talking about Oprah. I have a foot. What's with him all? Oh, nice. Come on, Oprah. Take off this bitch. Okay. I don't, I can't, I don't know if I can find this one he did on Showtime. I don't think I can find it, but Pablo he does is funny get about Oprah and he talks about how Oprah was talking about how she she at one time said she didn't reason why she didn't want to build helping help the kids in America versus Africa she said because the kids over here are very materialistic they want something like that you know don't quote me but she said something like I want they want iPads iPads and all that stuff and Paul Mooney just was like bitch maybe because they saw your show <laughs> Shit, my movie was hilarious. <laughs> that's my favorite comedian. I love my oh, movie. Let me tell you, well, my favorite. Let me see if I can. Let's see if I can find it. I don't know if I can find it, but what I used to love, I would. At first time I went to uh, Paul. I used to go to a lot of Paul movie shows. I love Paul movie. Okay, but it probably it, Paul movie there was so much of. Uh, there was such a uh, so many things, different things to probably so many. I like to be, I'd be interested to see a movie on his life one day. But when I first met probably, <laughs> me and my best friend was out, and my best friend was like, "Yeah, she, you know, like my best friend got me come here. She, you, her favorite comedian. She called me over, and I met him, and he, he was so funny. He was this white guy that was standing there counting like money for his merchandise." And he said, he I remember he, he, he grabbed me, he said, Come on, come on, move he said, Move close over here and I was like, Why? So me and my friend like looking like why? He's like, Cause you know you gotta watch white people, they'll steal right in front of you. You know how good they steal. We was laughing so hard because we said the white man was looking at him like, What the hell? <laughs> Paul he was like some shit. Paul Woody was like just like he was the most fearless comedian I have ever more fearless than even somebody like even Richard Pryor, in my personal opinion. Paul Moody would say shit that nobody would dare say. And so he talked about Oprah, talking about, he was the only comedian I saw talk about Oprah consistently, even when she was famous, about how she did that about uh, the black American, back, why she wouldn't open the school here, which like kids in Africa ain't, 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 ain't got their own forms of materialism. But she's talking about, and he's like, well, his favorite thing was, bitch, maybe because they saw your show. <laughs> and so we, you see that sometimes these deep-rooted things in a black, even in black upper-scale Americans, this desire to connect to something, to Africa. Because sometimes you get a lot of people ashamed of slaves. I am not ashamed of the slaves. The slaves don't got nothing to be ashamed about. The slaves were hardworking, smart, brilliant people. 
the slave if it wasn't for slaves in America wouldn't have the America the the brilliance of the slaves in agriculture uh, uh, all kinds of things not only agricultural farming I mean which is agriculture um, uh, music entertain listen a black American black American slavery the people did not do anything to make us as a black American hateful. Kidnapped from their own homes, their various tribes, various languages, fought here, told you couldn't read, write, beaten, told you was three-fifths human, having to learn a new language, having to be renamed, and just trying to find something to grasp from. And these people created a superpower. Yeah, black Americans did that. Nobody, black American slaves created a superpower. If it was not for the slaves, America would not be where it was. And not let alone the inventions and the ideas that were stolen from the slaves. That the certain slaves gave ideas to their masters and made foods and all these things. Listen, the slaves in America were some of the most brilliant people on earth. Just look at those kids to Africa, but look at what happened to Africa after the slave trade. And this is for the diaspora period. Look at what happened to Africa after the slave trade. It went uh, Africa maybe people might look at Africa as giving away their best throughout throughout the throughout the diaspora. Africa suffered after slave the slave trade. And other other places prospered, especially America. So I got there's no shame to me. No shame. Not one iota. I ain't trying to be no we kings and we we in that be delusional. No. I am a descendant of slaves who were the most brilliant people in America who created all kinds of things. Why do you think they were that afraid of them? And a lot of black people we be trying to say, you know, I've been hearing black people saying stuff like well, you know, they just want to teach you about slavery and school. No, it's it's how they teach you about slavery. The slaves cannot be, you can't get mad at slaves. Like Kanye West was talking about, they were slaves because they wanted to be. I was like, what the fuck? You think somebody being dragged from their homeland at gunpoint? I mean, and, and not through, in, in the middle passage, how long they were held in boats and, or how long they were held between, you know, like say, for instance, like people like the woman king, they was held there for a certain amount of time with them brutal, brutality, crazy people. And these people being transferred to uh, ships and boats and powder and having to come to the, the to shores of different places, but particularly one of the cruelest uh, um, slavery was American slavery. American slavery introduced race, being non-human, whooped. I mean, you hear, I be telling people, when you read books like To Be a Slave, you will, you will see how, how, how powerful. You, you will see. It, 
how they, if they didn't survive, we don't survive. I mean, you're talking about they was really being held captive by psychopaths. Really, I call them psychopaths. It was, it was, it was psychopath. I mean, you're talking about people when who would use babies as alligator bait. That's why I say I can never say nothing horrible about American slaves. And so you got, that's what happens. You got a lot of these black elites who don't want to believe they descendants of slaves. They're like, oh, you know, descendants of those slaves because they don't understand what the, how, how powerful they only think of, you was a slave. You was not a slave. They only think of that as embarrassing. They think, but these, this, these people were kidnapped and held hostage. You understand how it was hard, how hard it was to run up north? Y'all ain't never really misread the stories of slaves who had to run away. Well, when you read that shit, you know why a lot of people couldn't run away. They got calls. They were doing all kind of crazy shit. You, you really, it, so that it isn't surprising how far down we are now because they always had systems in place to deal with the slaves. So slaves were victims of a crime. Like being ashamed of your your uh, your mama because or your daddy or somebody because they got kidnapped and held captive and you're like I don't, I don't want no mama because they was like your mama got kidnapped and if they didn't survive what they survived you wouldn't be here damn sure some of y'all that be talking about child indigenous and all that now some of y'all was, was from the slaves and the slaves was a strong American slavery was a was a was a strong group to survive all that it survived. There's no sense of being ashamed of slaves. No sense. They were not responsible for their lot. So when I see some of these black Americans that be trying to disconnect and be lying to themselves and try to roll roll over the slaves and go back to Africa, I'm like, no wonder we in the position we in. You don't honor your ancestors. You want to honor some part of Africa you know nothing about. But you don't take the time to honor your ancestors who were here who survived who survived so that you could survive. That's just crazy to me. That's crazy as fuck. There's one no wonder we get what we get. No wonder they come over here and replacing you in droves and shit like that. Because you don't have an appreciation for your history. Crazy shit. Anyway. Moving on. What's the next one? Who yeah am I I'm where am I at y'all? I don't know how to okay. So it was another story. I tell y'all the whole story. I had to do that one. I had to go out for me. It makes me mad. But uh, we didn't talk about, I don't know if I want to talk about TJ Holmes. I ain't got time with TJ and Amy. TJ and Amy out here playing in the streets. Who knows what people try? They're trying to have a show on K, a cable television show, child, allegedly. Together, Lord have mercy. <laughs> People don't know when to just go rest, like go get out the public eye for a minute. Like maybe I just need to sit my ass down for a couple of years or a year. They got enough money. Like maybe I just need to quietly move, like be quiet and move quietly in the streets. <laughs> okay, I think this is gonna be my last story of the night. Pastor Sparks 
outrage after labeling Beyonce a witch. But I tell y'all, what's going to happen? What? I tell y'all. Former Destiny Child member and Beyonce friend Michelle Williams also made an Instagram where, oh, where's it? Huh, let me see. I love the uh, love the Lord with all my heart, and I will bless His name at all times. But this form of manipulation, in the same way that she's suggesting that, okay, wait a minute, hold on, I'm, I'm not somewhere else. A pastor has gone viral after uh, labeling uh, record-breaking uh, Grammy winner Beyonce a witch and fiercely shamed any Christian who plans to attend her concert. Thus, became prophetess Tiffany Montgomery who found the cover by God Ministry shared a video on her TikTok and YouTube on February 12th, in which she said, any of you going to Beyonce concert, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And how dare you call yourself a Christian? Okay, let me see her father. Here. Hmm. Uh, let's see if I can play it. If we got time. Okay, here we go. I think I'll play. You have bowed to the systems of the world. You have any of you who are going to Beyonce's counter, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. How dare you call yourself a Christian? I don't care what pastor you got that is okay with it. I don't care what pastor you got that think it's cool. I don't care what pastor you got that's singing along to their song. Because they... Wait a minute, I was kind of feeling that. Let me just say this, okay? That's why I say, for playing with stuff. Now, I don't agree with Tiffany, everything that Tiffany say. I like going to a concert. I'm going to see you. Beyonce ain't got no, by the way, Tiffany, let me explain something to you. It's a bubble. It's a, it's a, I had to explain Tiffany the bubble. It's a bubble, Tiffany. It really ain't no beehive. It's a bee swarm. Ain't no, that hive don't exist. It's, it's, it's people, now I realize it's publicists. It's all kind of stuff out here playing games. Uh, robo poppy, uh, robo uh, things on the internet, shit. I mean, Beyonce got all the millions of millions of followers, and they don't even show up to buy Ivy Court shit. I know. I wonder how the tickets are selling. Hey, they've been quiet on it. They just been saying something like it's kind of it's selling out. You ain't hear nothing. <laughs> Tiffany, it ain't no high. It ain't no swamp. It ain't no high. It's a, it's a swamp, a little small swamp. Listen, I disagree. I feel like people should say things in love. They have been playing with witchcraft symbolism. Sometimes they do be playing Jehovah and Jehovah. That's because a lot of them dudes in New York, you know how to show. I used to love New York dudes. You know how to be thinking they got, oh, my God, you know, God, and all that stuff. That's a whole different. Man, you got to understand that a little bit of what's going on, why you doing that. Okay, and, you know, they be down with it. Like, 
I used to I used to tell my friend I know exactly how a New York dude acts like dating life. I said New York dude, this is they they got same favorite quote, favorite things. They use black Israelite, Muslim. What are you? <laughs> Sorry, New York black man. <laughs> Y'all did have a Steve though back in the day. Okay, so Tiffany, that's what Jay Z was on. Okay, and he they be saying we symbols out here and stuff like that. But Tiffany ain't playing with y'all. She said don't be doing that. Y'all said they gonna start calling y'all witches and stuff. Y'all better quit playing with that shit. You know what I'm saying? Everybody quit playing. You know they gonna have starting to have the saving witch trials out here. I was told y'all. That's all. We got a minute and 40, 30 seconds left. You guys, thank you guys for hanging out with me like you do every week. I appreciate y'all for listening to part two. We going to leave out of here with, I can't play no, that's Tiffany. She, Tiffany has scared me. I got to play Back to the World or something to Kevin Campbell as we go out of here. I see y'all. We going to leave with Debbie. <laughs> no Beyonce over here. <laughs> all right, y'all. Just kidding. See y'all soon. <laughs> I know you're thinking I've been better off without you by my for hanging out with me like you do every week. Remember, you can hit me up on the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page, uh, Instagram, Carly's underscore Galaxy, and Twitter, C Chatwood Show and Carlotta72. Okay, those are both my handles. Follow both of them, okay? Okay, you guys. So I was laughing at Tiffany's last thing, okay? But Tiffany wasn't playing. Tiffany was speaking with some power, though. Tiffany, Tiffany could preach. I, I got to go with Tiffany's tongue. I can tell Tiffany could preach. Let me just say this, Okay. <laughs> Uh man, I don't know. You know, here's the thing. Um, I think sometimes you have church, like a lot of times it's misinformed sometimes about the occult and things in the occult. Um, Tiffany says she used to be a big beehiver, though. Tiffany, they, they, she, that's why she says she was going off about Beyonce because she used to be under some sort of Beyonce thing. You know, so, hey, I don't know. That's, you know. But uh, I, but here's my thing is this. I just said, if, let me see. What's what's your schedule? She said, she said, she said, she said, her concert's a gay. It might be true. Where are we going to Virgo's Groove? I don't know, girl. How dare you? Oh, 